You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. good felt good felt tip pen feels good welcome to axe to grind i'm still gonna say it's the beetlejuice podcast i'm patrick i'm bob and i'm tom and this is where we talk about hardcore hardcore i'm trying to put the h in there because i know everybody makes fun of me because you say hardcore well i don't oh. pronounce h's very well at all and it's like a whom it's like a thing which people ridicule me are there any no no, you're well-spoken, so don't take it. It's just... Uh, I wouldn't say I'm well-spoken, but... You're blatant localism. Blatant localism. I mean, you're in New York. <laughs> blatant localism. I hear myself back, off. and I go, who Yeah, you're is a that guy? Yeah, yeah. Stady. Very Brooklyn. Yeah. I don't realize that. Yeah, you do. And when I'm not trying. I have no That's excuse. Good. Like, when I try to be like, hello. I'm not from here. You know what I mean? I no, got but no you excuse. don't... You've you know got, what I mean? You got an I mean? upstate Upstate. He does a, yeah, a lot of... You know what I mean? Where oh, either one of your folks from down here? My mother's from the Bronx. Okay, uh, but she sold out, went to Long Island before that. I don't think she's got any. That's Long Island a, still has still has. That's yeah. a maelstrom of fucking yeah, of, yeah. Ac- yeah. of accents. Yo, can I ask you a quick city question? Me? The Bronx. Sure. Yeah. What are your feelings on it? It's fine. I have no feelings on the Bronx. No, I, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's it's cool. It's one of the boroughs. <laughs> when did you, did you, as a child, did you ever go to the Bronx? Uh, probably the Bronx Zoo, maybe oh, yeah. a Yankee game. Okay, yeah, yeah. When I went up there, at like, as a teenager, uh, I had a friend that was going to Fordham when we went up there, and I was, like, walking out there. It was, like, one of those things, like, I always tell people, like, you know, like, as a New Yorker, you feel like a citizen of the world. Yeah. And as, like, a Brooklyn person, you're like, what? How bad could it be? Right. Very bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shocker. I was talking about... We got robbed in Vancouver, and I, the doctor that I work with is from Vancouver. Mm. And I was like, we were like, hey, we're from Brooklyn. I'm not afraid of shit. Then you see people shooting up in between their toes, and you yeah. go, fuck, I've never seen anything like That's this. That's crazy. Then you get a, gu- a gun pulled on you. All of a sudden, you're not that tough anymore. Yeah. That's what the Bronx made me feel like. I was like, uh, like we were like, hey, we're going to run to like the White Castle on the corner, and then there's a bar down the street. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a Yankee fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that's like one of, that's like hell of a postseason for the Yankees. Yeah. Um, I think, well, I mean, hopefully they'll be eliminated by the time you hear oh, this Oh, if podcast. you're not watching, you should be. It's fun. Um, yeah, the game my, last night was insane. My father's fucking losing his mind. You should excited. be watching. It's fun. fun I feel team. like the Bronx is the fun last real borough. Oh, that's a really good way to put it. I, I think that's, they have a, they have a significant reality that is very real. It is, <laughs> that reality is real. Today's going to probably be a four-borough day for me. I don't think I'm going to go to Staten Island, but I've already hit Bronx, Manhattan, Queens, and... You're like a biohazard song. I know. You're literally... I know. haven't been to Brooklyn. I've been to... Today, I've been to Bronx, Manhattan, Queens. Yeah. No, same, but, but, oh, no, but I'm I going to Brooklyn, Brooklyn in an hour. Right. Or, I'm going to Brooklyn after okay. this. I don't think I'm going to go home through Staten Island, though, so... 
What are you going to Brooklyn for? Drop you. Are we, do we not have to cut through there? No. I'll have to cut through Brooklyn one way or the other. Oh, we're in Queens. Home. On no, your way Queens. back, almost certainly on my way you back, will have sure. to. Oh. Let's talk about sponsors. <laughs> okay. Um, hold on. Let's talk about Triple B Records. Let us do so. Among my favorite labels, I'm going to say now, of all time. Of all time. I think it's just Can't impressive. Knock the hustle. I just think it's impressive. I think Very he's getting impressive. better as time goes on. Yeah, yes. that might be true. Like he's getting better, better selection, better. Do you think like that that self defense family record was the tipping point when it got real good? <laughs> I think it was like a. I think it was a crossroads moment where he said, yeah, "What am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. What am I doing?" He hit bottom, <laughs> and that was like, "Hey, <laughs> <laughs> let's, turn well, sh- let's turn the ship around." The real question is, was it the first or the second one he did? I think the second one was like, "Fuck!" You woke up in the what morning, like, "What am I doing? What have I done with myself?" Yeah, I ran a comb across his head and bounced. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> All right. So speaking of moving in the right direction, uh, two newer records that he's done that we're excited for. The Restraining Order LP, uh, that new, new, really cool. We shouted out a couple weeks ago. Still hot. Let's talk about the Still album art. Let's talk about the album art. Let's talk about the cover of 2019. What's that called? A, a Portrait mode. Ch- no. <laughs> 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 uh, a, a churro... Churroscura. Churroscura. Thank you. It's not yeah. churro. Yo, you're good though. Yes, you're that was good. good. I'm really what glad the fuck you I was talking about because yeah. it's not churro. No, churroscura. Is yeah. it churro? Churroscura. What? Say that again. Churroscura. Okay. Okay. Is that? Is <laughs> it, it, I don't know. I, I'm now fixing oh, on churros. Oh, are you just making up words? I, I, it you, sounds right. You to said me. it with such conviction. I thought you were. I know, right. but the churros. I'm so lost in the sauce on that because I'm hungry. Okay, hold on. I'm going to tell you what you guys. You guys talk on it. I'm going to tell you what that is for a second. The the Almart's great. Seems like you flash the photo at the exact perfect time to catch it because the dude's hair is flowing. Uh, that dude's got a nice head of hair, but not always, and it just looks perfect in that picture. No one else is in the photo. Yeah, it's so like it standalone. Act- like, where record. is the light coming from? It's perfect. I'm gonna look up. Uh, we were Chiroscuro. Thank you. Chiroscuro. Which close. means what? What's the definition? Italian for light dark. In art, is the use of strong contrast between light and dark, usually bold contrast affecting a whole composition. It is also a technical term used by art artists and art historians for the use of contrast of light to achieve a sense of volume in modeling three dimensional objects and yeah, figures. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's similar exactly effects right. in cinema and photo- photography are also are called chiaroscuro. Churro scuro. Killing it with restraining order. You know your churro scuro. We got to figure out that or that photographer's name um, and give them credit. But all right. Big ups on that. And the Wolf Whistle LP. Both of you guys have heard it. I haven't dug in my copies in the mail. I think a very... A, a really good send-off to an underrated band. I think it's... I was speaking to our buddy David Anthony from Chicago. Hello, sir. Um, I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but I really like it. Pat, what is this? It is hardcore. Uh, is it Tom fast. Waits hardcore? It's Tom Waits hardcore. Uh, it is. They pull back on the fast, right? Yeah, but it's, it's still aggressive. It's yeah, still it's aggressive, aggressive okay. but it's weird. Um, it's weird. There are moments that are like you know, somebody suggested swans or angels of light, something like that. Well, I you, can see you, that. You could say all that, but what? But really, what it is is. Look, this might turn some people off. I think it should attract you more than anything. I'm just going to be honest. What it is is it seems like people that are older have a full understanding of a genre yes and are at play within it and and i think that it is uh so you could argue that it's not i mean 
it's focused, but then there's these odd deviations. Yes. But there's enough tracks on it that it feels focused, right? But there's these uh, there's mm. these occasional odd, odd deviations. Odd deviations are so nice. But and th- on this, I think they're quite good. Mm. But but what it is is, it's weird when you're talking about a band that is not huge or not storied or whatever. They're not huge. When yes. you when you say this, when you say that it feels that they have a full understanding of genre, people don't want to hear my take on that from a band that never played to a, more than 100 people. Sure. But that's what it is. Feel that. Get both records. System mastery, folks. That's what it is. Triple B records right. dot limited run dot com. Enter the promo code. Axe to grind. And you're going to want to. Oh, oh, you're doubling up. I'm oh, doubling up. He's, he's not du- seeing. He's, he's oh, spelling it out. Yeah. <laughs> he's Sorry. I know. I was doing some research. He's researching. <laughs> Who else are we going to talk about today? Mm. Closed casket activity. Yeah, that's the most menacing. I mean, Run for um, Cover is also a menacing. Yeah. Death Wish? Oh, they're all, they're all menacing. Triple B's the least. Triple it B depends, sounds it like. It depends a, on what it stands for. It could be like, yeah, like, like a bullets, Coke dealer. Yeah, 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 right, right. Beat Babies Bloody. Oh, that, that's very Beers, menacing. Beers, Bears, Battlestar Galactic. Yeah, Dark. So, dark I'm, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I don't know. How long have you known Dusty? 20 years? Yes. It's cool. You don't have a lot of twenty-year friends. I, oh, you, you know do. What? You have a handful. I'd say more than more than a lot of people. I don't. Yeah, you do. I actually. don't. Yeah, we're twenty-year friends almost. That's true. True. Um, there you go. Yeah, more than a lot of people. Uh, you ever gonna find the MPB video that you did? I was talking. No, to Sh- talk. I was talking to Sean yesterday. Uh, is, is it Sean? Is Sean who was? He did it with me. Oh, really? really? Yeah. You always think of Pierre because that's, he the French great, guy? that's a great name. No, Sean's the other guy with the long hair. Was anyway. there a French guy involved? No, his name was just Pierre. He's British. See, my grandfather, we called Pierre, and he was right off the boat from Ireland. So Th- that's what know. I'm saying. It's just a name. <laughs> it's a nice name. That's just all. a name. If you ask Justin Churro Brandon right Scuro. now, he goes, Curse yeah, the Scuro. French guy. Yeah. He always thinks there was a French person involved. Well, that is a French name to my knowledge. Yes, and that we we watched the video at a... The Dime Bank or whatever we in did, Williamsburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B- back in before Williamsburg fucking, was super yeah. expensive. Yes, yes, yes. It was still expensive at the time, I think. But it, I mean, it's it, 2001. Yeah, but and it was like that's, Southside that's Williamsburg. First wave. That's first wave. It so. was Southside Williamsburg, so it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It hadn't yeah. been gentrified yet. Um, but anyway, where were we? Pat made a video. We can't find it anywhere. Yeah, that's, I know, that's I know. all true. Can we find punk, it? Is, there, is it out there? The punk rock scholar, whatever his name is, uh, he found it. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he's got it posted on his punk thing. Punk rock MB, MBA. Yes. MBA, yeah. Uh, scholar. No, I don't know. Scholar. Oh, Dr. Right, he did. Yeah. P- Professor Josh Plum. Truskell doesn't even know where it is. Yeah, well. Uh, it's a fun video. Close guys. 20-year friends. Yes. Dusty. <laughs> shout out. Makes videos. Yes. Had, got, lunch, had lunch with him. Two days ago, Wonderful. bombers. Obviously, no. Nah. We went to the co-op. The co-op, the only place that Patrick knows how to get to. The correct. Are you banned from there though? Because the dog shit. No, I wear a, a little pencil thin mustache. And what a pair happened of when you brought the John dog Waters. back to the co-op? Oh, they tasered me. Yeah, that was uh, it. Yeah, and his legs started working. Dog they, had to walk. <laughs> dog had to drive home. <laughs> um, close casting activities. Got a few new records out. Uh, let's talk about Pet Brick. Um, Igor Calavera from mm-hmm. Sepultura. Doing some noisy shit. Check that out. A record that we've talked about, I think, oh, I know a lot of people talk about Judiciary from earlier this year, but it feels like even longer because yes. time moves in a weird way. They are about to go on a pretty big tour. Tom? Yes, with Exhumed, mm. Necrot, mm. and our friends in Gate Creeper. Damn. It's a big tour. Okay, so check it out. Judiciary 
is picking up so much steam outside of hardcore that we just don't want hardcore kids to lose the the The, plot here yes you know what i mean those are hardcore dudes yes continue to fucking get excited about judiciary because all of this fucking touring just means that they're going to be uh razor fucking sharp the next time you see them yes so uh be excited uh don't uh, this is a thing that kind of irritates me uh band will go do some big tours and then people will be like whatever happened to them yo they just haven't played your town for three months that's all that's all that's it right 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 so go to triple b records.limitedrun.com do it close casket yes go to close casket activities.com i guess go to both yes i mean both yes Closedcasketactivities.com. Enter the promo code. Axe to grind. You're going to want to? Spell it out. Wow. Patrick's been zero. I'm totally left wow. out of this. So you wow. talks okay. enough. You wow. Know. That's true. Uh, and support all those records. Please also, our biggest thanks and appreciation to Run for Cover Records and Deathwish Inc. Uh, great sponsors. Same promo code. And you get discounts. Let's go. What are we doing today? It's a deep dive on mm. the band. Suicide, the suicide file. The suicide file. Yeah. The, you know what? The Joker has me fucked because it's just the name of that film is just Joker. It's like Ramones. Yes, they're not yes. the Ramones. Yes. I've called them the Ramones yes. forever. Yeah. It's Ramones. Uh, uh, the dwarves are the dwarves. Right. The dwarves or the dwarves. Dwarves. I think it's dwarves. But until I refer to them as the dwarves. Everyone right. Yeah. And, and some of the and records Joker, say it, but, but Joker is tough because I've seen the Joker mm-hmm. and I've seen just Joker. I think the film itself is just Joker. Joker. It is just Joker, and I think there That's are what comics. It should have been called. Yeah. I think just there Joker. are co- comics that are Joker. Right. Oh, um, speaking of memes, good one. Yes. yes. Have you seen the one when they have superimposed other people's laughs over his laugh? Oh, no. They have one with Seth Rogen. I heard. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> Did you I see heard. the Clayton Kershaw Joker meme? <clears throat> It's pretty rough. I haven't. He blew it last night, boy. Yeah, it's it's he he's like uh, he'll come to ruin your your year every October. Oh, pretty rough. Oh, oh, R.I.P. Oh. Dodgers. Um, the Suicide File. You know, I'm curious, Evan. See if you guys even know this. Mm. I don't. Okay. I feel like this is something that you're like, you know, I was in a Wikipedia hole like ten years ago, and I figured this out. The Suicide File. Did that have something to do with? Like Martin Luther King or something? Yes. It did, right? Where? I, I'd be willing to bet. So the suicide file was this idea uh, that... The term, not the band. Yes. Yeah, just uh, to be clear. Uh, although they might... Yeah, we're I mean, going real forensics here. Yeah. Well, that's, no, 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 of course. Right. But I'm wondering like what the... Like they didn't just come up with that. That's from something. No. no so the, that's a reference for sure. So, so the idea is that uh, 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 the FBI would collect uh, bla- essentially blackmail inf- information, but of such a severe... Uh, type that you could feed, want to kill you could, Yeah, you could feed it to people and say, "Look, you want to maintain your mystique. You want to you want to die on a high note. You know what I mean? Like, wow, here you go." Um, huh? And yeah, so uh, yes, it's a it's a dark reference, but a pretty good reference for a punk band. We'll pull back the curtain. This episode is not a re-recording because we'll, I'm sure we'll take it its own unique flavor. Mm. But this is one of the lost episodes from the now uh, infamous deer mm. deer crossing. The, what we'll call the deer hunter two. But deer in the you're like um, you saved the deer though. You were avoiding the deer. Yo, I saw two deer. I took the taconic down yeah. today. Two deer, basically touching the highway. Yes. 
fighting with their little antlers <laughs> as though there's not cars going 70 miles per hour literally three feet from them. See, are deers in upstate more naive? The deers in the deer in New Jersey, there's there there's a place where you 100% see deer every time you drive past on the parkway. 100%. Yeah. But they just chill. They're doing their own thing. I feel are they sometimes just less if you're beefing it's like hey it's on yeah it don't matter if you doesn't matter yeah yeah that's, that's Yo, a you fact. see that deer that went through the fucking front yes. window of that salon fantastic yes I did and it kind of like from the lighting you can't it just like appears yep yes churro scuro it churro scuro mm. and then it fucking hungrier and hungrier it runs out and like takes the door frame with it yep and hoofed that woman in the in the that was uh, sitting the, in the, the the woman that is sitting in the, uh, on the yeah, sofa on the sofa yeah acts as though it's not that big a deal. No, she gets up and was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Was hospitalized after the incident. Yeah. No shit. She yeah. got hoofed. Pretty rough. I, yeah. A hoof would scare me, honestly. Like, oh, that out that, of nowhere? At that speed? Dude, you're, you're bleeding. Oh, From your sure. blind spot? Oof. Plenty of people died just from the, the antlers going, f- like, this is morbid now, everybody who's lost somebody like this. But Going through the windshield? Going through the windshield. Yes. Really? Yes. It's not uncommon at oh, all yeah. to, to just be You speared. get gored. Yeah. Well, because think about it, you're driving a certain speed, and they're going, and yeah, right, right, and these things are gigantic. Yep. Mm -hmm. So deer, deer. So this, this, so we're gonna do uh, a new version of this suicide file deep dive. If you had to do it over again, yeah, would you clip the deer so you didn't lose all your stuff? Do you want to hear how fuck? So that stressed me out a great deal, but do you want to hear how fucking reckless I am? You know those little um, fuzzy bear caterpillars? Yes. I will crash to avoid a fuzzy bear caterpillar. That's how much I hate killing. That's a how. Thing it be on. Why aren't you nicer to people? I can't explain it. You, you don't eat people. I don't eat people. Yeah, yeah that's my kindness that, to that's them. That's your kindness. Yeah. Would you either. clip a? Would you clip the deer? No. Like no. a super, like a surface level. No. No. To Cause, keep because if you take great. out the, if you take out their leg, that's still a rough winter for that deer. You know. You got the hip dysplasia at that point, I'm sure. All sorts of shit. Maybe you can adopt a deer and walk around with your dog. You want to hear something crazy? So Get him a deer cart. can lose a leg and just And chill. regenerate? No, oh. no, they don't grow it back. But 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 they uh like starfish. i f I'm following an Instagram where this woman was like concerned about this deer. Following a what this Instagram. Your Instagram follows must on, be man. so weird. Is that old? Yeah. Well she but she, No, it just has to be. She's some metal lady, but she had this... Uh, th- th- mental this lady or metal? Metal, metal, I mean, I metal. Don't know metal. mental state, but no, she's metal. into metal. And, and her, uh, this deer just started appearing in her backyard. Yes. And then somewhere along the line, its leg was horribly mangled. And the deer is making do with this horribly mangled, disgusting leg, yeah. right? Somewhere further down the line, the leg largely doesn't exist anymore. Don't know how you lost it and didn't get gangrene, but I guess that's your power as a deer, right? And now the deer just doing fine. On three. R- on three. Rolling di- riding dirty yep. on three legs. Yeah, it happened. Well, I mean, think about dogs. You yeah. think dogs with yeah, yeah. legs. They get around. For mm. sure. I got a dog with that. Those back two legs are dog shit. Got it. That's what you're working for. That Yo, should be your goal. You want to talk about the dog versus the deer? Yes. Dog versus 10 turkeys the other day? They would have killed her. <laughs> of course. Would have killed her. Especially this time of year. I had to they're break it up. big. Is that they're big as fuck. Yes. I had to break it up. Have you seen a turkey fly? Uh, no, I saw a swan fly for the first time. Wild looking. It's Neck stretched all the way out straight. Mm. What the fuck? Turkeys, like you said, this time of year particularly? Yeah, big. So this is like a 30-pound bird mm-hmm. that isn't built for flight. They're only no. supposed to get to the trees. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. like they're migrating or whatever. No, yeah. So it's just these 
giant flaps that are a lot just, of energy. Ju- yes, that are just getting you to the middle of a pine tree. Right. <laughs> yeah, because I I've seen them jump to the tree, but it almost resembles more of a like like if if I could jump leap. and like ugh, yeah yeah it's yeah. not it's not pretty. Um, clumsy birds, ugly birds, ugly birds. Have you seen Let's turkey th- vultures? Yeah, 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 all the time. All, yeah, all the yeah. time. The, the the real turkeys are out now, so it's always a battle, and they're getting big. And you can see if you drive around certain zones, you can see them with the whole plumage. Yeah, on display. Will Trump pardon a turkey this year? Oh no, I don't know. Does, that that's when he's like a pure troll. Yeah, like, that's like going- putting kids in cages and all that shit. We could say maybe that was political. That's just trolling. I think he's he just brings out a guillotine. Yeah, a mini yeah, yeah. guillotine. It's like there you go. That's just trolling, man. Yeah, that's a troll. Ugh. You think he eats turkey? His eating habits are supposedly very strange. Yeah, he just eats McDonald's burgers. <laughs> God, that's probably eats turkey at Thanksgiving. Can his heart probably. just stop already? It, uh, it's amazing. It's am- like, think about all the good people that die of right. nothing. Like I know you people know that mean? were like, oh, you were like a runner and you had a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you were in incredible shape. Died of nothing. Don't matter. This fat fuck. Mm, don't matter. <laughs> he looks terrible. It's time He's, to go. Yeah, man. I know. His eyes look like let asshole. death take you. Please, please. please. Oh, no. Why fight it anymore? I will return to Catholicism if you do that. Oh wow, wow, wow. No, that's I'm a big stretch. Well, you'll, 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 you'll go. You'll hit. You'll hit it on. Uh, what like, is it? You'll go to church with your, with your mother. Palm, right? I, yeah, if my mom was like, "Hey, Christmas morning, you want to go? Let's go to midnight mass." Yeah. If Trump had gone, you'd be like, "Well, I guess I guess I'm going." Well, I mean, you got like three months. Yep. Hope it explodes. Okay. Very anyway, good. the suicide file. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of a deep dive. Yes. Let's establish first. Yes. Uh, everybody in the room, do you like this band? Very much. Love this band. L- love them very much. Yeah, great band. Um, wasn't sure that Patrick would like them. Tom, what did you, did you think he was going to like them or not? No, because I feel like this fell in his period that he was like, hmm, hardcore. They're from Boston. The from Boston. I feel like it was just perfect uh, storm of you being like good looking fellas. Good looking handsome. <laughs> from good looking fellas from Boston probably wore a cape. One of the Naraj probably wore a fucking uh, cardigan on stage. I at thought you were gonna once. say they wore a cape. I was like, at what? Least, probably wore a cape. They, at least capes once. Capes are hot right now you know, in fashion. So, a lot of like Fred Perry's, like sharp. Yes, yes. yes nice yes. looking dress. Yeah. There's a lot for me to not like. But you love. However, Hope I I didn't. Here's the thing. I didn't love HopeCon. I l- appreciated HopeCon years later. I dropped off yeah. after Cold Blue. Yeah. But they were handsome fellas that dressed really nicely. That's true. And you were down for them. But yeah, well, not, I wasn't mad. Not, not really. At the, at the time, you were like, okay. After Cold Blue, I, I cut off until I listened to them four years ago, three years ago. Then and you were like, EndNote is fucking. I think the entire discography yeah, is really good. Great. I yes. think it's really underrated. Um, I, think it's, I think it's not underrated. I think it's underrated at large, not by the scene that really likes them, but because they were so focused in a world and kind of pigeonholed mm. that a lot of people haven't given them a chance outside of that pigeonhole. And I think now it, it is a big hole, but you know they're a band that when they you know everyone's like calling for the reunion, when they come out and play like Death Knows Your Name, people are gonna be bummed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People want to hear those first two yes, records and that EP. Yes, they do. That EP one or whatever the fuck it was called. Yeah. But the Suicide File. Yes. A band who's not. But much like discussing the HopeCon, where I think that they kind of get pigeonholed as like just metal hardcore, metalcore, metal, metallic hardcore, and with a broader spo- scope, the Suicide File, as we discussed, uh, maybe has is pinned in the wrong way. And we'll get there. So it's deep dive. We're going to talk about the band 
what they did wholesale and uh we got a little treat at the end of this where we get on the phone with dave weinberg and mm. talk suicide file so um the backstory what was narajan before HopeCon? um he was in a band called extinction from chicago yep that's where i remember him from yes and this is probably like late 90s Yes. With uh, Jim Grimes from Chicago. Yep. And then he does HopeCon. Am I wrong? Was HopeCon pre-existing this? Yes. Trying to th- yes. 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 Yes, for sure. By a, not by a ton. A year or two, but yeah. that time frame, I, I was thinking about this with our the timelines, yeah. and I'm like, God damn, the difference between 2000 and 2001, two is a not lot. Not a lot. Well, it's I mean, not, a lot. Was, not a lot chronologically, but in terms of like what was happening. Right, right. Things there's move a, fast. There's a lot of stuff. So yes. because... HopeCon is a band, and on the other side of the country, Dave Weinberg, the singer, is doing a band called No Reply, who is... Skate punk? Skate punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like skate punk, thrashy, but not what you would necessarily call thrashcore, um, but punk hardcore for sure. And then they end up doing a tour with Life's Halt to Full US, and then that band kind of breaks... I think they break up, and Dave moves back to Boston. Um, the drummer Jared was doing something. Death by Stereo. Death by Stereo. He was in Throwdown. Yes, he and, was a California guy. And then he moves to Boston. Right. And they get together and decide to do the Suicide File. How do you describe them? Suicide File. Yes, I would describe them. So here's the problem, and maybe this is maybe you're fishing. Oh, for maybe. the problem. Yeah. The problem is if I say it's rock and roll hardcore, that makes me want to put my head through that uh, window right there. Yep. Hope that there's enough glass that if I just jam my neck down, then I can That's sever it. my, I can decapitate myself. Yeah. Right? And basically ask pigeons, come shit on this. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what would you say? Give me the best, best rock hardcore act you can think of. Suicide. Poison idea. Okay, oh. Poison Idea. Some Black Flag. Annihilation what? Time, would we put in there? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Annihilation Time's great. Uh, I mean, but then you go to the other side, like, like is every time I die yes. rock hardcore? It yeah. is. The Bronx. Yeah. Uh, the Bronx, sure. Uh, Bars. And now, here's the thing. Right, and then that stuff starts leaning yeah, yeah. out. And we know? just said a bunch of stuff that I think is good to terrible. Yes. And it's difficult because I think that people default to thinking that this is not an influence that they want in their hardcore music, right? Like right. rock is a dirty word. Maybe not in 2019. No, but it I think it is. Was. No, I know what you mean though. It's kind of like, woo, I'm rock. Yeah. Yo, but yeah. I'm still playing punk. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, it's like, well, okay. yeah, like all of a like sudden. Like you're slumming it. You, you traded in, you traded in your th- youth of today's hoodie. For like a thin lizard. And now you, maybe you have a, uh, a Ramones tee, but you got a jean jacket. With an ACDC pin on oh, it. Oh, cool. You, you like know? Motorhead. Yeah. Right. Got yeah. right. Congratulations. You and every other fucking person. Yeah, you're not really right. going on on a yeah. Right. Yeah. But the problem is so much great punk, so much great hardcore, especially once we get past, let's say, the first 10 years. But even in that first 10 years, there's a lot of influence, is pulling from external rock music influences and pulling it in. You know, I, I cited Poison Idea first. I could have even said SSD. I could have said any of the early Boston hardcore, as we've discussed, is, hey, if you don't think big guitar 70s rock influenced Boston 
early 80s Boston hardcore, you're not looking... You're just not For looking. Sure. You're yeah. just I mean, not Ian always talks about fucking Ted Nugent. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, all those bands yeah. and their, their dramatics, the structures, some of the chords, some of the stuff they were doing, a lot of that's getting pulled from rock music. It gets further away from that. It gets closer. I actually thought about this when we were listening to a band for a album. The album we'll be doing next week. But this stuff, the Suicide File, you're right. It's rock and roll. It's hardcore. It's punk. Think about how that sounds when you it said sounds it. Awful. It, it sounds, sounds awful. awful. It sounds like the you worst thing. You know why? Thing. Because when this came out, who what 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 punk rock punk band was everybody all about? Turbo Negro. Yes. Turbo Negro. And everyone's like, we get it. Yes. Turbo Jugan. All right. We didn't talk about them enough when we first recorded this. That they were unavoidable. To an annoying To a extent. super annoying yes. extent. There's stuff like, like, okay. Do either of you guys like the band Rock from the Crypt? Yes. Okay. Do you mm. like mm. a couple tracks? A couple tracks. Yeah, sure. Uh, the band The Helicopters is the nope. next step over. We're going, yep. Nope. They have they have songs and they have at least one record that okay. I think is yeah. fantastic. But they're on the other right. side of Turbo Negro to me. Turbo Negro, if you put a middle line, then you have Rocket from the Crypt going more towards the like punk hardcore world. Yeah. Just because of who was involved in it. Sonically not as much. The helicopters go more rock, just like fucking rock. Like let's go seventies and go rock. And on a far enough continuum you end up at the hives. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm just not I, I don't want to go with you. No. I'm not on the same train. What about the vines? You like the vines? No, no, no. <laughs> but when you take a band like the Suicide File, it's like you have to put them on an almost parallel uh, timeline, a parallel trajectory. Because yes, a lot of similar influences. Yes, a lot of similar things. But they replace a lot of that hokiness and corniness and fucking like uh, we'll call it. Tight Gene Swagger. What's the one cover of that Rolling Stones record with the fucking Sticky, sticky fingers? fingers? Yeah. They take the Sticky Fingers and replace it with fucking uh, My War. You know what I mean? Sure. They replace it with, with hardcore, aggression, anger, early 80s punk stuff that makes it, that separates it from that world. But what one of the things that we circled last time that I thought was so good was that what are the bands this band gets lumped in with? They don't get lumped in with Annihilation Time no. or Poison Idea no. or even Turbo Negro. They get lumped in with HopeCon. Yep. Yeah. A-N. AN. Yep. And then the AN, like... Stop and Thinks. And the, well, like the, yeah, yeah, that panic, the yeah. like the other AN world of the early 2000s. Some of it for better and worse. I don't ever hear people put Suicide File and Stop and Think in the same sentence. That band played with Stop and Think a lot, as Dave said. Yeah. They play with mental a lot. You know what I mean? They ended up playing with a bunch of the more sure. they play with Count Me Out a lot. They play with they play with the HopeCon a lot because they were shared members. I'm gonna take us in a direction for a second. Please. Do you guys know off the top of your head when the first Suicide File record came out? Uh, I record? Would say O two. O two, yes. You're correct. Do you know when first the first show end of O one explosion record came out? Two thousand. You're cr- wow, you guys are fucking good. It's, I'm not stumping you with anything today. Now, I don't think of these bands as the same thing. No. But there should be overlap here. You want to know what's really funny? Mm. <clears throat> Both Boston bands. Yes. Both except. Punk rock. 
except mm. the explosion or the end of the line for the group of people before and the suicide file are in a different oh, group of people of the next. You're tripping me out right now. And explosion's expo- a punk band. The explosion are dudes from In My Eyes. Right. And a couple other dudes from that world. But, you know, saying, hey, we want to do this more punk band. This They were trying to do kind of like... Like glam punk almost, right? Well, like... like um, Jade Tree goes street punk. Is yeah, how I'd say th- that's correct. Yeah, you know, yeah, and they true. wanted to be able to open for Cox Bar, but appeal to the person who likes Jets to Brazil. So that means you get the kid who wants to wear tight clothes, but also and and bop around at a show. But they're not trying to be a soccer hooligan. Like right, I'm right. not, I'm not a skinhead. Oh no, skinheads still scare me. So the explosion fall in that groove. The suicide file, and there is another big difference, is that. The American Nightmare thing happens in the middle of those two things. Yes, and that's another big break, you know, because you could also make strains. You can make connections between that generation of Boston and the American Nightmare thing because it's like okay, Tim from American Nightmare played guitar in Ten Yard Fight. Wes was a Ten Yard Fight roadie. Um, there are holdovers into AN. They they kind of the first AN weekends. Uh, American Nightmare did a weekend, I believe it was the uh, Boston Invasion that was In My Eyes, Right Brigade, and American Nightmare mm. very early on for AN. Um, so there were still some holdovers. But then by the time Suicide Vault comes around, which is like end of 01, that world is somewhere else. What an interesting... I would love to just talk Boston for a fucking hour because it's so, to me, it's so interesting. And I don't know if it's interesting to literally another living human. I think it's very interesting to a lot of people. Because it was the center, like, we can say this now. It ended up being the center of the hardcore world for a solid five years, maybe? Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. Right. Like, Um, because not just all this. Like, we're talking about this and we talk about AN a lot, blah, blah, blah. But, like... Bridge Nine starts now. Death Wish starts now. Yep. Um, also, the stuff that is small, that to many people would be considered footnotes or also rans, were filling spaces. Yes. I went to a show with a metal band that it was a metal band that was around, so far as I can tell, for about two years and was filling rooms. I don't even remember the name, but it right. was. It was that was the energy around Boston. If you sounded like Converge for a second, if you sounded like whatever, you could. Right. There was energy. People were betting on your future. Right, and so there was a lot of different stuff going on, and uh, the Suicide File comes along and is doing something different than all those bands. For sure, mm-hmm. I think they get grouped in with HopeCon. They get grouped in with AN, but sonically, should should be on the other side of the room, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think HopeCon had some rock to them. They did. I mean, that might be Mirage. And I mean, if you you said death com- death knows your name, yeah. If you told me that that was like, that's a very much more rock influence than Cold Blue. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah. And like that's rock, where they end rock up. through a metal zone pedal. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and tuned rock. Yeah. Right. So so that's I mean, not what this is. Though. No. No, not at all. This yeah. is this is punk. Yeah. Uh, this is as punk as it is hardcore you know but i don't think this played to a punk audience as no. much as as it could or might that, well that's okay so this is the thrust of where all where you're going with all of this yeah. which is just that this would band is well loved 
perhaps in 2019, maybe underrated at the moment. I think underrated at the moment. Yeah, yeah. but but well loved. Anybody that saw them loved them. This was just this band was had energy. People loved this band. But could it have been even bigger in punk than it was in hardcore? Maybe. Maybe. Like, could this band sonically? Two parts. One. I think I actually took this band for granted when they were around. 100% I did. Because I really liked going to see them live. Yep. Had fun. Enjoyed myself. But always, you know, like, it's like, oh, yeah, Suicide File. Cool. They were never my favorite band. But I would go see them. And I really liked them a lot. And then when I listen to records now, I'm like, damn. Yes. Damn. I remember like, being maybe, super impressed with the one record. Super impressed. Super ahead of their time, really. Maybe, maybe two or three songs that I'm like, ah, you can get rid of these. But the rest, like, for the most part, I'm listening to the discography. I'm like, know this song, know this song, know this song, love this song, like this song a lot. Um, so I think I low-rated them slash took them for granted. And they were a superior live act, just very good yep. live. And two, they owned a stage. Yep. They could have been, like, if they were around now, they're a band who could play all the... They could play every show Drug Church does right now yeah you know what i mean and in a similar space like yeah they could go open for all these bands they could they could could play a war tour you know know what i mean they could 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 open for any of those fucking like kind of like uh mest met mets Mets. different west where are we going here (laughs) that's my my pop punk that's what i know mets and uh, well well mets uh they could open for pile they could open or they could play above pile i mean they could go out with fucking rancid Uh, what i'm saying exactly yes yes they could do that tour i think no problem if i think so yes okay i'm with that but that's punk punk i'm saying like clean t-shirt that isn't black punk they could also they could play with anybody. Uh, uh, they could State also Champs, who's the band from Northern California? Uh, date, not date, I remember. Uh, from Northern, you've toured with them a bunch. Story so far. Story so far. I've. Oh yeah, sure. You have yeah. toured with them. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it took. Like, it, I've it, toured it, with them. No, it, it took me a second. Yeah. It took, I, I've toured with them a but, number of times. Yeah, I'm on a turnstile tour. Like yes. Now I wouldn't call them non-core. No. But if they're around today, would they be non-core? No. Yes. I think they might be. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Because I honestly think that the hardcore elements in this band are uh, are subsumed by the by the rockish punk elements. Like it's not like oh let's do the the question that Patrick will pose on a future episode. Let's talk about things you do at a sui- at, you can do at a hardcore show. <laughs> okay. Can you mosh to the Suicide File? Yes. Yes, but there aren't like the mosh parts aren't like. There's more freakout mosh there. Yes. Like Can you sing along? Mosh. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Can you stage dive? Absolutely. Yes. But if you pick those three things, they're more of a sing along band than and then stage band. dive than a mosh band. Yes. The it, mosh parts are there, but you have to really look for them. And if you stage dive, it is to then turn around on top of a person to sing along. 100%. Yes. Yeah, yeah this is a pile on band. Yep. Sure. Oh. You know yes. what I mean? So, so that is, I wouldn't have. Th- thought about this till we had this conversation because I was thinking about the parallels for Drug Church. I actually was like, oh, that is a singer I would compare you to in Drug Church. I would compare you to, to Weinberg because he wasn't a jump around dude, Mm-mm. but he, he kind of had a similar you know, Pete kind of vibe where he's patrolling the stage back and forth. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and owning it, a lot of sing-along, that kind of thing. Very engaging, super funny. Very engaging. Like a superior live band 100%. Why 
why would you say this band got grouped with the bands they got grouped with? They had, I mean, Boston was like a fucking destination. It was like Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. It was like everyone was coming from. So, like, everyone oh. got punched. Like, what happened? No, you just blew me away because I think you it might was have just. Like a, no, you just might have stumbled onto the thing everyone. You're doing the Eric Andre, no, like, shut down. Yo, like, literally, I was like, yo, holy shit. Remember, this was the period when everyone went, what is the next Seattle after grunge? Was Boston hardcore the next Seattle? How many fucking people did you see wearing goddamn Red Sox hats? Oh, well, but that's, that weren't you Red know Sox what I mean? That's like exactly. that's really what it is. And, and, that's and the West thing, like, and like all those bands, like did Soundgarden like, sound like Pearl Jam? No, but no, no, they're no. all in the same fight. No, no, no. Yeah. But but I'm even saying on a bigger level, yeah. like when people used to say, "What's going to be the next Seattle?" Was Boston the next Seattle? And nobody has ever identified it. Uh, maybe except, but nothing went like, so nothing went so big. Nothing went so big. Yeah, I mean, so would well, you have thought Soundgarden was going to go big? Hearing what they sounded like? No, but uh, just for scale, I would no. say I would. Honestly, I mean, they were big, all right, but yeah, yeah. For scale, I would have. I would honestly say that that Long Island turned out like all that. Oh, that, that yeah, hype yeah, 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 yeah. is Long Island, the next Seattle. That was, by the way, people. I know this sounds ridiculous. I know it sounds insane. But it was true. That was a thing people said. That's true. And in retrospect. Adjusting. That's right, because all those things did kind of go big. Adjusting for scale. Adjusting for Adjusting scale. Adjusting for scale, because that was, but it went bigger than the Boston stuff. Yes. I mean, the band that shall not be named played arenas yes. in America. Yeah. And in Europe. Yep. So, I mean, like, those dudes sold out the garden. Yeah. Sold out Nassau Coliseum mm-hmm. and had their friends open. Yep. So, like, yeah. Okay, so you were saying Boston was a thing. And Boston I think it was just kind of like it was easy enough to, like, I mean, it's just, I think there's that whole geographic kind of, like, yeah. Like, Geographic grouping, hundred percent can't can't ignore it. Uh, shared members with HopeCon can't ignore it. Did it happen? Did that happen simultaneously? HopeCon was he thing? in HopeCon? Was Naraj in HopeCon and Suicide File at the same time? Yes. About hundred percent. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Because they did some of the stuff they did touring. Like they didn't do a ton of tours together, but they did a couple where it's just like this just makes sense. I mean, we did it. an O2 tour with HopeCon, and Naraj was already gone. Uh, well. Naraj played on Cold Blue. Right, was it one or O? That's in two thousand. And what's file? That's the EP, EP after that. Between he played, that and he played on that, which was released in O two, but he must have left immediately after. Okay. Okay. And end note is after that. Uh, and and what's that? End note. End note comes end note after that, after to that, my yeah. knowledge. Yes. Definitely. I'll find out in one second. Cold Blue is the first LP, yes. and then Endnotes the second. Oh, Endo- okay. So Endnotes 2002. Sorry, everybody, for this. Uh, <laughs> Pat uses the internet. Yeah. So, so Endnote comes out around the same time as that Black Cross record on EVR. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway, yes, they run concurrent to each other for at least a time. For a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so uh, look, here's the thing. Who else would you put them with in Boston? Like, if you toss, if you, if you, if, you, if, if they weren't. Chilling with the explosion dudes, right? As you, which you made a good point. Right. Yeah. Showcase showdown. That, Who are they playing with? That like they're not chilling with. But that I group. honestly think that you put a put a finger on it. It has to do with generational thing because otherwise, mm-hmm. I think that they could have easily found themselves shunted over. I don't care if they're tight bros with the AN guys. I think sound wise, they could have been shunted over to Boston punk. You know what I mean? But right, like in the way that, um, well, it's the the way that the trouble was a showcase showdown. Right, there Ducky, Ducky Boys. Boys. Yeah, there right. you go. Right. Blood yes. for Blood kind yes. of dwelled between that and heavier shit. Yeah, but that was the street punk thing. Then when Panic starts, Panic got no love from the street punk world. They were purely a bridge nine right. AN and, world, sure. despite the fact that 
that dude Gibby was a presence, you know what I yeah, mean? He yeah, was yeah. a scene dude. So to me, there's also the fact that there's the cave in converge etc group right that was different than the in my eyes 10 yard fight group and they didn't really meet uh, very little no. very little and then the tween shall meet kind of at an who felt both but hope con is more on the cave in converge, converge side, side. Yeah. suicide sure. file falls between that but that's most but closer to that I people think they wise blood the, for blood who suicide bomb? If you think about it, could've Blood done, for Blood had a lot of rock. In a heartbeat. Could have done those had a shows. lot of rock for sure. Well, right, that's an interesting. When they went no. beyond like the sheer yes. terror stuff, and they kind of got more yes. rock. Well, uh, forget uh, forget their sound. That's just who they appealed to. Like even before that, like it stopped being the hardcore kid that was beating each other up. Then it the hate breed dude was there for sure. But then the Dropkick Murphys fan came yes. all around too. Do we think Suicide File was too smart? For the Blood for Blood or Dropkick uh, fan audience, yeah, uh, and I don't say that in a dick way. I liked I liked Dropkicks up to a certain point, and I like Blood for Blood up to a, a certain point. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, so that's interesting because Blood for Blood and actually, politically it might have been a little bit too, and it might have been a little too um, progressive thinking. Not to say that Blood for Blood or Dropkick Murphys were some regressive. No, but they're Boston people. But they're Boston people. Yeah, I'll say and, that. And I mean, it might have been lost on them. It might have been like how, like, you know, like 90% of Rage Against the Machine fans probably don't agree with what the fuck he's yelling about. Oh, for sure. But he, he yeah. likes the mosh part. But Because I, I, I agree, if Suicide File opened for Blood for Blood or uh, or even Dropkick Murphy, yeah. they would have won fans over. Um, you know, even, yeah, you know, sonically, you're right. The explosion, Suicide File going out with them, sonically makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Where Suicide File ends up is more just a straightforward hardcore band touring with bands of that ilk. They right. were, you know, a- and Indecision in- Records playing with bands on fucking Indecision and Bridge Nine and all like, that. More like youth crew adjacent than any of it, right? Like, okay, so that's well, yeah, yeah. Modern's fucking no, 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 no. Modern, yeah, no, the, no, no, the no, straightforward I, hardcore, modern hard, the posi numbers hardcore of the time. Yes, right. that's where I first saw the them. Suicide File was squarely on that, despite yeah. the fact they also played Hellfest. And right. I also right. think sonically, it's. It's so different than that to me. Yeah. I agree. So different. Yeah. That's uh, where the rock comes in though. I and guess. that's why we say like like are they a posi numbers band or are they a Hellfest band? Neither, despite the Neither. fact that they played both. Not yeah. Um right. they right. were just a supremely likable band, which we should mention. So you yes. you could play a lot of things when you are a supremely likable band. Sure. So I think they were likable. They were easily digestible because the music was both aggressive, high energy, but also catchy. Incredibly impressive live. So good live. And they were smart. Mm. And smart in that way that the only person I could think who would dislike the suicide file is the person who thinks they're too smart or too clever. Like the dude who literally is like, yeah, blood for blood, but only the first record. Yeah. They get to they get to rock for me after that. I just want paper gangster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to hurt people. Did with you just something start singing Paper Gangster? Bullshit, fake. Paper Gangster. You can't hear Paper Gangster. <laughs> yeah, no, saying that. I mean, it's you like can't. Excalibur. You can't. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Can't. Um, Go wash, whitewash your mom's car, whatever. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Whitewash your fence, something you caught in darkness. This is so, so fucking. <laughs> That's Boston. a really good Boston accent. Thank you. I from I know that from Blood for Blood. That's how yeah. I got. You're caught in darkness. No. No, 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 no. Uh, you, you're doing I just it. got it's a just number. How you like them apples? Nice. Jesus. So, it's literally Matt Damon and White Trash Rob 
is to blame for my. Fuck, how come those two personalities haven't? And who knows? You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Rob laid him out on fucking lands down. I want that commingling. Maybe chilling. I want that commingling. They might uh, be. Uh, maybe Rob was on the set of The Martian. Who knows? So, uh, I, Ocean's Fourteen. We uh, know our guest. There are. you go. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I next question. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce, and I'm Nolan, and this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Why has this band, to some degree, fallen down the memory hole? I think they've, they have gotten onto the hardcore uh, roller coaster. Yes. The, the stock market where they they have ups and down years. I think we're in a little bit of a down period right now, which makes me sad because I think five, six, seven years ago or so. They were headlining festivals. Yes. They were in a big up period where they were still headlining because I think they had gone through a mini down period where people, where it was like, okay, the band breaks up. Like I think they break up 03, 04, something like that. 04, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. If that late. Because I feel like I saw a reunion of theirs at CB's in 05. Right. And it was insane okay so maybe they break up oh three is that possible they could have broken up oh three sure and they do a reunion seems but every time they would do a reunion i feel like people would go crazy because they were great live and people were fiending for it this is the first time in a while where i still see people smatter out their name and talk about liking them but not in that fiending way you but know. I wonder if they played a show tomorrow it would probably be pretty wild i think it'd be great i think they would put on really hard too but I think like they're part of like the zeitgeist, so like they may not be like the hot new thing. Yeah. But I think that like if they played a show tomorrow, people would come out of the woodwork to see them. Have Heart ruined my theory on this? Like they've the, ruined the, everyone's. The, theory. the overwhelming <laughs> success of the Have Heart shows kind of di- like dispelled a, th- a long theory that I had, which was your reunion does better the more subculture you are. So what I mean by that is like. If you the appe- deeper in you if are. you appeal to normal people right. at all, you're cashed. 
because normal people don't have access to the information that you're doing a show, yep. right? So, so like if you, this was always my theory that like, you know, uh, devoid of faith would do better than uh, something significantly bigger at the time. Sure. If they both did reunions today, because the people that are that were devoid of faith fans are still plugged in and, and are plugged in, whereas. Or are still fans of, of hardcore music in general and are plugged in. Whereas if you were, you know, like... Looking down. Yeah, for example. Right. So... I mean, no, th- I, I, there's a part of me that understands why you say that, but yeah. I disagree because I think... Well, I think I was proven wrong, but... I, well, have yeah. hard... Fi- yeah, have hard fine. But if... When did One King Down do the reunion? 2017? 18? 18? 18? 18? Right. Sure. Yeah. If One King Down and Devoid of Faith played a show in Albany on the same day in 2018, it was their first show back... There's more people at the One King Down Yeah, there show. is. There is. I think there's a certain thread of that that is true, the more subculture. But, but like, there's a lot of crust bands that disprove that because that can be just a phase for quite a few people. For sure. And if I got into stuff like Infest and how they've had yeah. a, a good amount of reunion really success, success, I, I, I yeah. would... I would it kind of, but it throws it in a way because I mm-hmm. think that they've managed to they pick up young it. people not. in a way that a lot of those acts haven't. Hundred uh, percent. No one. Yeah, Devoid of Faith is a band I've actually been like thinking about specifically because I'm like, I need to revisit this. I don't have a ton of desire to, other than the fact that they don't get talk and they were such a thing for a minute. Right. At least present. Yeah. Yeah. I I uh, I don't know. I, I'm. My theory is going out the window with yeah. a lot of stuff lately, but and honestly, I mean that hope con, I mean that hope con, that half hour show having actually been at the show, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> there was fucking whatever the fuck it was, ten thousand people, whatever the hell mm-hmm. it is, eighty eight thousand, whatever. Yeah. Didn't see a lot of norms, not a lot of civilians, mostly like ninety five percent people there were hardcore kids. <laughs> Do you agree? Yeah, 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 yeah. It I wasn't like so. a kind of like, hey. I heard about this on the fucking Silverstein record. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were yeah, a lot of, yeah. there were mostly fucking kids in hardcore shirts. They might not still be 2019 died in the wool hardcore kids that right. I listen in to regulate. Yeah. But they were hard, they were at one point in their lives, this was an important thing. Most of the people were wearing hardcore shirts. We'll yes. say that. That's right? what I mean. No, yeah. I, I get all that. But I, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I do. being well adjusted, a lot of people have to, a lot of our listeners had to pivot to like, I can't pay attention to shit. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yep. uh, like, oh, that's, like, it's I, a, it's a d- d- endearing point of our show is it allows people to pay attention, but not. Right. And and uh, I, I honestly, I don't know. I just, that was always my theory on, on reunions. And, and I think that the people that I knew that felt really strongly about the suicide file mm-hmm. didn't, they, yes, they were hardcore kids. I'm not taking, you know, who, I, who even gives a fuck? But what I'm saying is they, uh, they, know lo- they might listen to suicide file right now. Yeah, they have no idea what is going on right, right now. now. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you know I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Next question: mm. How accessible is the Suicide File? If you played this, we could you play? If you were in high school when the Suicide File was around, could you play it for friends who weren't into hardcore and they could like it? They yes. wouldn't tell you shut it off. Yes. I think so. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Did they? Like, are they? Because I'm listening to it now. I'm like, man, this isn't just good and catchy and fun, but also like, like f- you can feel it. Like a band like Comeback Kid, we all agree, more successful than Suicide File. Yeah, without sure. question. Yeah. Like, especially when they were touring, very, very yeah. successful. Yeah. 
had Suicide File been a band who toured in the way that Comeback Kid did, would they have been as popular? Could they have been as popular? No. Yeah. What no. is the holdback? Because to me, I think it's more like sonically, yeah. Suicide File is easier to listen to it or is. something I would put on for somebody before something like Comeback Kid. And I say this as a non-Comeback Kid fan, but knowing that Comeback Kid was an entry gateway band for a lot of people. I feel like they have a lot of like sing-songy stuff. Like that Wake the Dead song that yeah. like, is like their biggest song by far. Like, there's like, like night fucking sing part that like, like when they had Scott Wade especially, yes. they were a lot more like palatable and easier to listen to. I like still they think weren't suicide. as like punk rock. I still think su- Suicide Files more listenable. I'm gonna condemn. Su- I mean, I agree. I mean, I love. I like Comeback Kid, but I love Suicide File. But like, I feel like if you know, putting you know, Comeback Kid out with like Newfound Glory, mm-hmm. they're getting over. You put Suicide File out with them, but, but, maybe not. Okay, but see <gasps> that, that that's I agree with you, but I also and yeah, I, see, I'm that's with the thing Bob. I, I don't understand why. That's, I'm I agree with you. with you. Yeah, this is uh, this is the why question. It's so weird because I I think we're all exactly in the same space where it's like, yeah, for some reason I don't see the Suicide File being a band who would go out with Newfound Glory and win fans. Right, but. If you played Comeback Kid for a 46-year-old that was like, I used to go to fucking City Gardens. Yep. They'd be like, I don't get it. Yep. You play Suicide File for that same person. They're like, sounds like Nervous Breakdown. I love it. Yeah. I, huh. yeah. I, I'm, I want to say huh. something that I think will actually, I'm saying with, with generous intent and flattery, but I think that some of it Could our, be taken with the wrong spirit. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I think the Suicide File is supremely listenable, likable. I think most people, I don't know too many people that hate it. I honestly wouldn't believe them on first blush. You know what I mean? Agree. Agree. So I, but some people don't like that. Like if I say something like, Hey, this, you're just an asshole and intentionally being contrary. And I know, I know my own kind. Yes. 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 So, if you say that you you don't have to love it, but if you say it sucks, firstly you're if you're like loser, offended by like yeah. oh god, but, I can't I can't stand this shit. I guess the only insult that I can lay at at uh, at Suicide File is maybe it's too accessible for some, but that wouldn't hurt them on a newfound glory tour. So I still don't right. That's know. The, that's the unknown for me because it's like okay, it's not we, a reach. If we put Suicide File on a Drop Dead tour, could I see some people who would like Drop Dead being like? This is bullshit. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Poser punk. Right. Right. Yeah. But that showered yesterday. But then on the right. complete inversion, the newfound glory tour, it also feels like a weird fit, despite the fact that I think it's very listenable, it's catchy, engaging, live. They put on a great show. It's it's odd, um, because but I mean that's that it's maybe is the part where it puts them into hardcore so firmly, despite right. the fact that we're saying sonically, it's they're a punk band, they're a rocking punk band. Right. right, they're aggressive. They're fucking controversial. I mean, confr- uh, confrontational. Not confrontational. Controversial. I mean, they were saying fuck Fox News, Fox News, two thousand three, two thousand two. Yes, yeah. actually, before most of us gave a fuck about Fox News. Right. But, yes. but, so, uh, shows that Dave Weinberg probably had a job where he had to work with people who cared about Fox News. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, myself, I thought this was like some weird thing with me, where I, uh, where I'm just got certain prejudices against types of. Uh, of punk you know like where mm-hmm. but I, I, when i discussed it because we talked about the band uh sheer mag on a recent episode sure and when i discussed it on the podcast 
people texted me and were like, yeah, I've never given Sheer Mag a, a real shot because I'm just resistant to rock. You know what I mean? I'm resistant to right. this sort of thing, right? It's so good, though. Man. Well, well th- that's the thing, right? I like, yeah. this, I like the Sheer Mag song I heard. Uh, and, and here's my point, though, is does is that who would would i like when you said i didn't know if patrick would like this right right you're not wrong <laughs> you know what right I mean? right right so, so i is there enough i never think that there's enough of me to move the needle but maybe the, is there enough of me that's just like yeah i never gave it a shot yeah i never gave it a shot is that yes. a thing absolutely yeah. okay all right i mean i think you know it, like if they're they are it's there and i think that would like to their own probably detriment they fit in too well in too many places yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah like they could play with count me out but it's and also blah, 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 not but they, an all things to all people band it's right. not like no they had a lane but that lane intersected with a ton of well, different other lanes well, yeah. you know what's funny is because we identified all oh, they're like this rock and punk band i think they chose against that lane specifically Right. They were like, let's play with hardcore bands. Yes. We'll play with punk bands, but let's play with hardcore bands. Let's not let's not go do this poppier street punk thing. Let's just right. do hardcore. Which which was v- the different varieties too. Like they're playing positive numbers and they're playing Hellfest, you know? Right, right. Um Pat looks like he should have been in this like in a surveillance video when they're trying to see like this man tried to open someone's window and I, steal I like exactly what I look Pat, like. Right Pat exactly. is one of my favorite Pats. You like Hat like, Pat. Wow. I like Hat Pat. You look like um What's the movie? One, it looks like a San Francisco Giants hat. I can't tell what's the going on. The dude who uh, says he's going to blow up the stadium in the nineties with uh, oh, real person or, or movie? A movie, movie. Oh, but you also look like that. Like you look like you could blow up a yeah. No, I t- definitely look, look like I'm running surveillance on the yeah. uh, federal buildings for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, a little t- you got a little yeah. McVeigh going on. Well, like be- you might sell drugs, but maybe you're just trying to buy them, and maybe you know how much you should. Or pay, I could be But undercover. you might not know at all. Or yeah, I you could, could definitely be a narc too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So everybody, right now, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a hat with a with a copious uh, curve to the brim, right? Like yeah. white guy. It's the way hat. I, wearing, yeah, it's the way I wear my hat. Yeah, I like I like that. Yeah, I'm well, a fan of. I don't do the flat brim. No, well, so you could call this white guy hat or gas station attendant hat, yeah. depending on how thick okay, the curve. Ha- how how right? hard the V is. Yes. If it's a U, I don't like the crack. Once it's the, a V, the, yeah, the crack is crack pure gas station. That's attendant. pure gas station. Right. And if you crook it just a little bit, there you catch me in a picture, and sometimes it's off, and it's like, oh, dude, you selling me a Snickers bar? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I I have a look where I wear when I wear a hat like this. That I am one hundred percent casing your house. Like, yep. th- yeah, that, you look like surveillance I, video. Pat. Yeah, that's what I look. Yeah. yeah, I was caught on surveillance. Yeah, you're on Gotham. It's like, have you seen this man? Yeah, exactly right. So he tried to steal someone's fucking MacBook Air from a yeah. cafe Lord on Columbus Avenue. Yeah, that might be real. Yeah, Suicide File has a demo comes out. It's hot. Mm. Seven Inch comes out on Indecision. It's fucking hot. That record, I think, pe- came out and people couldn't believe it. Yeah. It was like, holy shit. I mean, it's shit. really, if, if, if really you were good. just, what else was popular at the time? If you were just listening to what was popular at the time, that was a kick in the fucking pants. Yes, and it had a lot more energy and it just, the production's really good too. Um, split with Hope Conspiracy on Death Wish, split with R&R on this some label this that, curse, right? this blessing, this curse picked up the pieces. Right. Some label botched it before that. Uh, then the LP, yes, yeah, so the LP comes out on Indecision, uh, Twilight, and then yes. they do a last seven inch. Things fall apart, I believe, also on Indecision. So, not a crazy amount of recorded output, 
but a pretty solid amount for a band who I think was around for two and a half years. Yeah. Yes. yes. Pretty awesome. Uh, look, yes. Any any of those records that stand out to you as being like, yeah, this is the one? Okay, so I actually love uh, the LP. I think yeah. the LP is really great. Uh, that said, I think in the final estimation, the EP is probably... First EP is probably the... If I had to give something to... Like, hey, here's this band in their summation, and here's the best entry point, I go the first EP. Yeah. Yeah, that's, sure. yeah, that's self-titled. Yep. Yeah. The last EP, Things Fall Apart, is great. Uh, maybe it turns up the rock in a little bit, but I also think it's a superior... It's actually great. V- vocal I'm looking at the track, yeah, the track it's listing. It's great. Uh, and I think they're, they've turned their swag on. By that point. No like, question. Like, are just like, oh, we know what we are and we're going to do it and we're going to do it in your fucking face. So take it. Uh, Twilight has tracks and it's a little different than the rest. It's it's darker than the rest of the material, but I actually really like it in the context because I believe it gives pacing. And when you would see them live, those songs played really well and also gave the set less of a frenetic energy and you know you yeah. go oh shit you could see how writing an LP that sounds like this would enable you to do longer sets and spread things spread the energy out a bit I mean the song song for tonight to me launched launched a subgenre of hardcore mm. like the the feeders and the I know suicide I know modern life is war predated that but that slow it's kind right of there. musically yeah. like I feel like that. You know, are you familiar yeah, with that? Yeah, I am. And, f- I, and think, I, think I think you're right. And, and for so for people that, that don't know this band, but are fans, because you could conceivably, definitely be a fan of Modern Life Is War and not know this exists. One hundred percent. If you are a fan of Modern Life Is War, that's not an apt comparison for ninety percent of Suicide File material. But the ten percent, it's an apt comparison, and you should check it out. Right. If you get psyched when they open with the Outsiders. Yeah. Is that I don't know, whatever it is? It's the one that what like the fuck yeah. Are you gonna yeah. Do? That's not that they. It's obviously you know not taken from this. No, but that idea. That's yeah. I mean, it's a totally different song than seventy five percent, eighty percent of Suicide Files um, output canon. Yes, but that song, Jesus, when they would do that song live, people would freak. That would be the closer out. usually, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it can't be understated how great this band was live like just so fun and one of the few bands who right out of the gate everyone was going wild for so it was fun and and i think i think it was that way on the east coast and the west coast i know the midwest has a huge amount of love for this band they've done reunions in chicago that have been huge all right yeah that was Um, their first one i think yep i think so for jim grimes like yep some birthday yep it might have been 30 2008 40 Something like that? No, they've been back since 06, I think. Damn. Damn. So there you go. Um, so, all right, the LP, 11 songs. How long is it? This is fucking crazy. I did not realize it. Uh, 11 songs. Uh, 24 minutes. 29 minutes. 1743. Oh, Jesus. That's so good. Yo, so so they, we didn't even identify this, but, but it stumbled into one of the points that we make. They have... Uh, two EPs, two splits, a full length, and you know a demo that was all re-recorded for the other stuff. Yeah. They probably have less than an hour of recorded output. Yeah, easily. Good job. Yeah, it's great job. 
you know what I love? I love bands that develop and take forever and have careers and all this. If you're going to do it the other way, this is the way to fucking do it. Yo, concise. That's so fucking funny because we used a lot of words to describe this band. Rockin', punk, et cetera, et cetera. They are a concise band. They have the energy comes out. Music. Jesus, dude, right? Yeah, because it's so all. If you get. So, for those folks out there that are like new to the game of the Suicide File, yes. that some mistakes you never stop paying for pretty much compiles everything before the LP. Everything and the EP not after. On the, yep, everything right, that's not on, on the, the LP. LP is on there. So, easily streamable. If you're younger right. and you like bands like Angel Dust or Turnstile, basically, if you like any current hardcore or non oh you know what i'm gonna give you the ffo my ffo for a kid who is say 19 if you like turnstile or if you like drug church or if you like angel dust if you like out your way yeah oh yeah for sure. go listen to yeah. suicide file and i would honestly like to hear from every time we do one of these we hear from people that were, never in, were yeah. in the era but right. never checked it out yeah uh Hit us with that, obviously, but also hit us if you're younger and this was just never on your radar, period. But like, I would love to hear from maybe the crust lean, our crust leaning listeners who like some street punk. Yeah. Uh, if you can wash the Boston cleanliness off of this, like if you could dirty it up, if yeah. you right. could hit it with a sack of like, you know, like manure, like, yeah. then you might really like this. There's the only thing that this doesn't have, it doesn't have those like, does it have a mohawk? No, it doesn't have Butt that full-fledged like anthemic choruses that I think of when I think of a lot of street punk. And it misses basement because it never goes super fast. Correct. I, 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 and that's where it's an interesting thing where I feel like it could appeal to either one of those people. I totally agree. But it's not married to either. Yes. That's yeah, this it puts it to an interesting space. Um, I love the fact that this band is never fast. And that's not just because I love Mid-tempo. I, I love mid-tempo. I also think it's like very committal in a way that I think is awesome. I agree, and I feel like it sounds intentional. Yeah, for sure. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, we could play it. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Especially, all right, so we've low, we low-talked. We talked about how much we like the songwriting and all that. The drummer of this band is so good, it's, it's a joke. It's a joke. This is one of those bands where people would come and watch them, and you'd see all the other players from the bands watching the drummer. And I think the drummer eventually got poached to do other bands and be like, hey, can you just be in every band, please? Because he's that Yeah, good. For, for an era, he was in every band. Yeah, yeah, he played on like HopeCon Records and AN Records, yeah. and he was currently in Alkaline Trio. Did he do, a, did I make it up, or did he do a My Chemical Romance stint? He may have, actually. Okay. Yo, uh, be, get Alexander. really good at something, I guess. Damn. <laughs> get really good at something, folks. Yeah, especially if you're a drummer. Get really good at drums, I'll take you far. Um Anything else we want to talk about before we give Dave a call? Uh, I just want to really stress that I'd like our listeners to check it out. I want our listeners to check out even the stuff I hate. But, yes. But, but this is something we are really, really passionate about. This week and next week are two bands that I feel like everyone in this room is super passionate about, like really enjoy. Yeah, and it goes past that also because we really enjoy them and we feel like there's just people that aren't they're not clocking for it, and they they're should. It. Yeah. Look, Boston is a, a fine city. Philadelphia is also a city. Yes. Yeah, no, it exists. And these two Near artists, New York. yeah, these two bands are uh, that we're talking about this week and next are, are ones that are worthy of your time and attention. So, Jared filled in as a drummer for My Chemical Romance on their Honda Civic tour. Don't know why I'd know that, After but I did. Drummer Michael yeah. Petticone, which I think is the dude from uh, what was the band from from Arizona? The uh, the Bled. 
Oh, uh, interesting. Okay. Alexander's continued to play with My Chemical Romance into 2012, including their appearances on the Australian Big Day Out tour dates and their final show at Bamboozle Festival. He also contributed to Gerard Way, Ray Toro, and Frankie Arrow's respective solo projects after the breakup of My Chemical Romance. Yeah, so you so dude's okay. Dude's do, doing all right. A man in command. A man in demand. That's it. Also, I had no idea he was doing... He's done so much with Alkaline Trio, hasn't he? I mean, he did uh, the last tour or two. Oh, really? All right, because they're hitting him with more credits than he's than he's deserved. I don't think he played on it. Like he didn't dude, play Derek, on any of the records. No, he okay. was played with Derek Grant, who was in like Suicide Machines and Earth Mover. Oh, Earth Mover. He was an Earth Mover. Who would have thought somebody in Earth Mover would? I, mean, go I think on? he was also in Walls of Jericho. I'm just sad we heard the name Suicide Machines today. God damn. I'm, Did I'm I tell try- you about my new girl? That's I'm going to try to become a fan. I decided, I, I decided to try to become a fan. Are they, are they 90s non-core? Yes. Well, they're like full ska, though, aren't no, they? No, no, no. Uh, they're not. They're, they're ska, ska without the horns. Yes, they're like ska punk. They're ska punk without the horns. I don't Just think. listen to the interrupters. No, I'll do that, too. All right. Let's give Dave a call. Let's, Dave. Bring. We're rolling. We're rolling. Oh, hold on. Weak. That was weak one. Fucking weak. terrible. Oh, wow. See What's going on here? What's Come here. Come here. There we go. Oh, God, these are all bad. It's him, man. It is. Fucking bad. soft hands. I got a small hand. Patty, small Patty Gaines. Small and soft. Small and soft. My hands are small, I know. Guys, You're Jewel. You think I'm kidding? I'm putting this weight on. I'm putting this weight well, on. Well, maybe pick up a weight and get some fucking calluses on that putting hand. putting this weight on. All right. What you a, think I'm fucking with For you. a special little treat. Let's, let's, let's yeah, give a... Guess. Let's, let's see if we can get a, a, a an informed source, we could say. Okay, yeah. I would say he's, he's probably as informed as anyone might be on this uh, subject. He's on the ground floor. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. Let's see. <laughs> and I am going to say I'm glad that all three of us like the band. That's a good thing. Love the band. Hey, Love Dave. the band. Dave, it's Bob. What's up, man? How are you, Bob? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You are live with Patrick and Tom and myself on Axe to Grind. Hey, Dave. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Tom. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. So we probably we addressed this at the head of the episode. We did a suicide file deep dive some weeks ago, and we, unbeknownst to Patrick and Tom, I, I set up so I could call you. We've now lost that element of surprise. Uh, as I kind of mentioned to you in text, it literally was emotionally hard yeah. because we we recorded like a whole day's worth of episodes and lost them all. And, uh, and this is because a deer was hit? Yeah, Pat, not hit, avoided. avoided. And now my life is fucked. How much do you know about Margot Kidder? Wait, what did you say about Margot Kidder? How, mu- <laughs> how, much, do you, how much do you know about Margot Kidder? Uh, not a ton. Not a ton. What about I mean, I towards the she, end of her life? Um, I know that she had some pretty serious mental health issues. That's about it. Yes. So she lost all of her data on her computer, and then when it wouldn't, when she went to a uh, data recovery specialist, and they couldn't help her, she had a full-on manic episode. And I really relate. They found her in a backyard three days later, like nude, not making sense. Yeah. Yeah. Incident yeah. Was based on her losing her data. Yeah. So that's that's Patrick was kind of in that mental space. One hundred. Uh, so you like cut off all your hair and like hit in a bush or something? <laughs> that, that, shave off all my hair. Right. Cut yeah. off. No. Was she missing teeth? It was like a hole. She was missing teeth. That she said she was attacked. Uh, nothing terrible, terrible happened to her. But if you're missing teeth, it's pretty bad. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes. Knock out a tooth. Got to do some damage. So Dave, 
we we thank I'm sorry. <laughs> we thank you for for giving us a little bit of time today. Um, we're here to talk a little bit about the suicide file. You game? I'm ready. So. When we did this before, I kind of gave you prep, and I'm not going to do this this time. We're just going to go off the handle. How about that? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to go off the handle. All right. Let's do it. What? Give us the, the very, like, what, what started the suicide file in terms of, like, what was the impetus? Because you had been in California. You had done bands out there. You came back home yeah. to Boston. Yeah. What, what was kind of the jump for you? Um, you know, I was, I was thinking about this. I, I, so I, I knew Jared from California, but not well. And like, no reply had played some shows with like Death by Stereo in the past, including right. a show in Dallas, um, Texas, like on a very ill-fated and insane tour. Um, the no reply. And, what happens next tour? I was no reply life's hall. Oh, that's, that's right. That's that right. Uh, that's right. That tour was uh, <laughs> to say that that was a poorly booked and poorly managed tour would be a pretty big understatement. I'm pretty sure I uh, saw you guys in Long Island in a gymnasium on that tour. Well, that would have been one of the most uh, <laughs> one of the most like uh, legit venues that we played. Yes, <laughs> sounds about right. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but basically I, Jared and Naraj, I guess had been talking about like Naraj was like, I think really, really interested in sort of going back to his like punk rock roots. And, um, he was, uh, he and Jared like had talked forever about doing a punk band. And I guess Jared was like, Oh, this guy, this is the guy that should sing. <laughs> so he, huh. he didn't even have my number. He got my number through somebody else. And like, I was. I, I believe this was pre-texting too. So I think he like cold called me. Okay, uh, sounds right. Yeah, and uh, and then just the three of us like went to practice and we were like, okay, yeah, this this is really, really, really good. Um, like we're all we're all really enjoying this because um, Naraj had been in Hope Conspiracy and and Hope Conspiracy was like very technical, very like metal influenced, very like unbroken influenced, and Naraj just wanted to play like skate rock that he had grown up with. Right. Uh, um, and I think that that was sort of the, that was the genesis. And then it, like, as time kind of went on, we started playing different kinds of stuff. But the early stuff, I want to say that Naraj's biggest single influence on like the demo was the third degree. Which is so funny because how much, outside of a used bend, I don't think a lot of people have thought about the third degree in a long time. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so either. So, I mean, you guys came out super hot right out of the gate. Like I was thinking about it driving in today was the suicide file demo was a thing like kind of right away. People were excited about the band. Was that, was that a new experience for you? Because I know that neither deficit nor no reply were bands that were immediately on fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, that was new, but I think that was also a function of like being in Boston at the exact perfect time. Which yes. was, um, I mean, it was right when American Nightmare was starting up, right when Hope Conspiracy was starting up. But like all of the first wave of like Boston bands had sort of, well, obviously not the first wave, but right. like that, that wave era, Boston yes. bands had, had broken up, um, and um, everybody was just, and there were still like so many kids. There were still so many people that were like really interested. You yeah. Know, like, 
uh, you know, like the dedication would play a show and like 400 kids would show up. You yeah. Know? Like, it was, yes. it was, like people were like looking for something. And so I think we just kind of hit that right at the right time. Um, but yeah, that was, that was new for me. Um, I mean, I think we, um, we definitely, we, we, we weren't like a hundred percent sure what was going to happen with the band, but we knew that people were going to be interested. Yep. Um, and I think that the other thing was like, Boston didn't have any venues at the time. Like there were no venues at all. Right. Um, and so most of what consumed all of us was like, as soon as anybody that we knew got a venue, we could book like the greatest show. So like Suicide Files first show, I'm sorry, our second show was at the first and second church. And it was like, bang, stop and thank invasion, dedication, uh, I can't remember who else. Yeah, but it was um, a big show. I remember that. And, and, like, that was it. Like, after that, like, because there were never shows and because there were no venues, like, people were like, okay, yeah, this is something that we should pay attention to when it happens. Yeah. Now, how, uh, how in a scene did you feel? Like, were you, were you uh, like, like you said, Niraj is coming from a different thing slightly. Uh, you know that how much of a division was there in Boston at the time and did you guys feel it or did you get love from every corner I actually think Boston was like not super divided at the time I mean it was such a small it's like geographically such a small city and like pretty much everyone at the time lived in Mission Hill so yes like that's true and that, and when I say everyone, I mean like everyone. Like there were literally clicks on Mission Hill of people who were hanging out, not in some negative way, but it was just there were so many people there. It was crazy to go there. Well, I remember when I when I moved back to Boston. <laughs> this is like a very weird. I was standing in Kenmore Square, which is now I, I, does not resemble the old Kenmore Square. For no, sure, no. I was standing there, and this group of like. 40 hardcore kids walks by <laughs> and I was like wow I've never seen anything like that in my life obviously that was not happening in California no uh, no it was all people going to the bridge to sell shirts but like <laughs> I was like this is insane like this is a really really different vibe than I'm used to yeah um but um so to answer your question I would say like we we played with a lot of different types of bands like we we played a lot with like I was thinking about it when we talked the last time. Like, we played an enormous amount with, like, mental and stop and think, which, looking back on it, seems kind of weird. But, like, we just, the people in stop and think were, like, really good friends of ours. Yep. We really, like, loved playing every show that we could. Um, but uh, looking back on that now, that's a little giant. But we also played shows with, like, the arty, there was, like, a mass art scene yep. there, like, there were wires and yeah. converge and, and that stuff. Like, so that, you know, we we played with like Dillinger Four at one point. Well, and, and that was kind of to me an interesting piece of what Suicide File was, and I think what Patrick was asking is that it's sort of even if you were on the outside and and you were perceiving there being more divisions in Boston than there were, you guys were crossing those lines everywhere, and it doesn't surprise me to think that you would be like, yeah, no, there there weren't that many because for you guys, you kind of you worked in a lot of those worlds and played in those worlds and it just wasn't a thing to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also think that we as a band were like a diverse group of people like Naraj had sort of a group of friends. I had a group of friends. Um, 
you know, once Jimmy was in the band, there was that, that like, and it's not that we all didn't get along, but we were all sort of bringing our own background and, and that group of people into the, uh, into the, like, milieu or whatever you want to call it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, where was the first Suicide File show? Was that at a Mass Arts show? Yeah, that was at Mass Art with Bane. Um, right. And it was, like, the record release for Give Blood. That's right. Um, I want to say it was October or November of 2001. Yep. And um, it was, I mean, that was, a, that was a really big first show for us. They were, uh, that was the big room at Mass Art where, like, Fugazi had played and everything. It right. Was, it was a big... It was a big room. Uh, we were not ready for that. Like we were awful. <laughs> I have no idea how we got another show after that, but that was that was it. I mean, like we. Um, I don't think that we like were ready to play like a giant room with five or six hundred people in it. For, the, that as a first show is a little bit of a. I would have preferred to have more time. <laughs> well, like an actual like manageable venue. Yeah, and I mean, going from no reply. Who you know? No Reply is a band who you did your seven inch with Mankind, uh, kind of yeah. s- smaller but cool label from from California. Shout out to Igby, um, and you did a full U.S. tour and you played a bunch of shows in uh, in California to immediately go to Suicide File and have your first show be the Bane Give Blood record release. That's kind of a jump, right? It was a big. It was a big jump. It was a big jump. Um, I mean, it's so like kind of. The other thing I would say is like, No Reply was kind of like a slow burning band. Like we, we, we everywhere we played, we just made friends with people and like uh, built up a network. And so, by the time Suicide File was ready to play, like there were a number of people that were like, I was like, all right, these are all people. I mean, that's how I met the Bane guys was through No Reply, for example. Right. Mm. So it felt like sort of the culmination of a lot of. Um, of a long time of like building, I guess would be the best way to put it. But it also felt super shocking. Um, <laughs> I think the thing that felt more shocking was like later on when we there was like a brief period where I think people in Boston sort of expected us to be like the next American Nightmare. Yeah, and that was really jarring for us because. Uh, we had a lot of people starting to show up at our shows and we were like, uh, this may not be who we want to play to. <laughs> well, like that is something that's, that, that's not weird to me because it feels foreign, obviously. But like as your band, as the Suicide File grew, like it sort of felt like a a, a, a steep growth curve. You know what I mean? Like the demo came out and people cared and Seven came out and people cared and it was on Indecision, which... Like, that's a label you were familiar with, I'm sure, from your time in California, all that. Um, but what you said about the contacts you pulled from No Reply, and, like, that's how I think I had first met you when you were in No Reply, and a lot of my friends had met you when they were in bands like Dead Nation um, right, yeah. when you were in No Reply. And then it was like, oh, Dave Weinberg's doing a new band. And that's kind of my familiarity. And I have to imagine there were tons of people who whether it was Jared or Naraj or whoever else was in the band at the time who came in to Suicide File through that perspective. So you your shows were often diverse from Jump. What point was it for you, like, where you felt that, like, oh, people are expecting us to be the next American Nightmare? Like, what is the point where you're, like, started to be cognizant or, or th- 
hearing that or feeling that and being like, uh, this might, this might not be that. I think when we played, like the first time we played at ICC church, um, like it was a record release and it was, it was a really weird show because among other things, we got American Nightmare to play, but then we didn't flyer them. Yes. Like they, they weren't on the flyers and, and that was a really weird show. It was a great show, but it was a really weird show. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Um, it, uh, I, and I was like, you know, like, I, I guess the way that I would explain it is like every time we played a show, I always felt like I was like looking out into the crowd and I was like, oh, I know that guy from this. I know that woman from this. I know. Right. And there I was like, who the fuck are these people? Yeah. Yo, honestly, that's that's a good way to frame it, because I still remember that show quite vividly. And there was people I knew there. But then there were a lot of people I didn't know there, which was really different than, say, going to a show at the Berwick, the, you know, uh, for people who are listening to this, a basement venue in Boston that served as a primary venue for a long time. Um, yes. But it was the kind of place where you went and you knew uh, half to three quarters of the crowd, no matter who you were, you, whether it was, whether it was you, you knew them and you talked to them or you just knew them because you knew their face because you saw them there last time. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's what hardcore had always been to me. Like ever since I was like 13, I was always like, oh yeah, yeah I know this person. I've seen this person, you know. And then I think that 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 sort of flipped when we we started bringing in people that like I was like I I've never seen this person before. There were like 13 year old kids, 12 year old kids at that show. Right. That were like. Um, you know, like it was obviously their first show. That that part felt good, but a lot of it was very uh, was very jarring. Um, and I think sort of like was like the antithesis of the sense of like general community that I felt like from everything that had led up to that. Right. Like, you know, Patrick, I was going to ask you did you did you ever go to did you go to the show that we played in Albany? I did. That was my favorite Suicide File show of all time. No shit. That, that's interesting. Because yeah. do you remember how strange the space was? Okay. There was a lot that was strange about that show, including the fact that we were like 45 minutes late to the show because we somebody had convinced us that it was super easy to go to Bombers and get burritos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a frequent refrain in Albany at any point. Yeah. So we we had uh, we had like gone to go get burritos, and then we came back, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, the last band ended maybe an hour ago." <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, "Oh, that's a problem." But then we played, and it was like, "Oh, it was such a great show." I don't remember the venue. I was like, I remember it being like upstairs. I think is that right? No, it's a very it was a very very strange. Uh, because you're talking about the one, it wasn't close to Bombers, correct? It was quite a way. <laughs> definitely not close. Yeah. So you were playing at the New Age Cabaret, which was a total, oh. freak, total freak scene. Yeah. It, it was a very strange fucking venue, a uh, very strange period for Albany. But everybody who, not everybody, but everybody of that era, and there wasn't a ton of kids at that point in Albany, came out for that show, plus a few people that got roped in. It wasn't like a massive turnout, I don't recall, but it was like everybody that was, that then went on to do bands from there. So uh, we're just going to call you the new Sex Pistols. (laughs) That's right. The Albany, the Sex Pistols of Albany. Um, So Dave, we just touched on a, a weirdo venue in Albany, New York. 
this is pretty tangential to Suicide File, but but relevant to you and, and one of the few people I tried to talk to people about this venue who had experience with it, but PCH Club in Long Beach. Um, and you talk about your experiences. Obviously, you were you were in California for school. Is that right? Uh, yeah, but then also after school as well. Right. So you were familiar with PCH Club. Could you talk about it a little bit? Because it's something that comes up with people of a certain age that it was such a formative and cool experience and, and just something that really mattered to the people who were a part of it. Yeah, I mean, it was the best. It was the best. I think you, you guys at one point were talking about, like, great venues. I remember on the podcast you were talking about whether, like, CBs or ABC was better. Right. Um, I, I, like, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, like, you know, I had seen shows at, CV, at CBs. I had seen shows at Gilman. I, uh, like, you know, I, I went to all the classic venues, and PCH Club by far was, like, my favorite venue of all time. It was yeah. so great. Like... Um, I think the things that made it so good, first of all, like, um, it was, I don't even know what type of building it was, but it was in between like four oil refineries. It was down, (laughs) it was sort of down by the docks in Long Beach. Yeah. 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 I think it was in Wilmington actually. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't even like, and it was like, there was nothing there, like nothing there. Um, and it was basically like a. It was a room. I would say it was a room. Like, it was the size of... I mean, it was about the same size as ABC, I would okay. say. Okay, that sounds right. Um, but but um, there was, like... There was... I mean, it was super dirty. There was, like, not really a bathroom. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was... But it was, like, such a... Because there was not really any place to play in Southern California either, um, this was like before Chain Reaction started up. Yeah. Um, and there was the showcase, but then the showcase, I think, stopped doing shows in like 90, 98. Yeah. Um, and so there was just nothing. Um, I think they started again after that. But yeah. anyway, the, the point is like Alex, who I think ended up working at Rev for a while after I left Rev. He sure did. Um, he worked there with me for years and he had been there for a few years before that too. Well, everybody called him the Godfather. That's what we all called him because he had just been around forever and knew absolutely everybody. Um, and he just booked like the best shows ever there. Like the first show I saw there was The Locust, Treadwell, and Life Hall. Wow. Um, right. And that was <laughs> that was wild. It was great. And then when Crudos played there, there were probably no exaggeration, six hundred people crammed into that room. I believe like, it. It was it was great. And then, but also like carry on would play there, throw down would play there. Yep. Um, you know, I saw like modest mouse there. I saw like all different weird types of bands there. Uh, and it got to the point where I would just go there every night, regardless of what was happening and right. see whatever band was playing. Fucking uh, rare, rare thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, it, yeah. it was great. I mean, it was, it was really, really like an unbelievable place. And a lot of the like bands that came out of that Southern California scene were, we're all part of that. I mean, it's like what you said about that Albany show, Patrick. It's like that was all of Carry On, all of Terror, all of you know Life Hall, all of um, In Control. Like, yeah, right. Every single band that came out of there, Fields of Fire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as the most prominent. Um, but yeah, there was there was like, uh, and also like, um, you know, like did 
there was just such a strong sense of like community there. Like I, there was a there was um, there was a Bane in my eyes show I think or uh-huh. Bane tenor fight maybe I can't remember. And I just remember like uh, I was talking with Bedard uh, and he was like, "We just don't have anything like this on the East Coast. There's just nothing like this." And actually, this reminds me, Tom. I have a bone to pick with you, which is Indecision was supposed to play there. And you guys canceled, I think. I don't even Ooh. know why. We, yeah. That, ended up being a, that was a great show, too. What, which, do you, was that with Kill Your Idols? Yeah, it was Indecision, Kill Your Idols, Nerve Agents, No Reply, and Life Hall. I've seen that flyer yeah. a bunch. Spoiler alert. I, I remember yeah, was we were super excited oh. to see Indecision, and then you guys didn't, didn't end up playing, but it was a great show. I think that's when they broke up. Indecision broke up. This is after me. This is the Artie years. This is after oh, I was out of the band. Okay. okay. Right. So, so, so Tom, you yeah, that. you can't you can't pick his bone. I mean, they they kicked me out of the band, so you can kind of blame me. Like I was like the butterfly effect <laughs> <laughs> that caused the show not to happen. But uh, the, but the flip side is you didn't miss much. Oh, wow, uh, big sick burn. <laughs> we also talked about this was like not not in any kind of chronological order. The time that we heckled Dave and Worcester about Bill Buckner. Um, you weren't that psyched on it. It was us in the promise. We're like Bill Buckner, and I. You might have like wished death upon us or something. This was before. This was before Keith Folk and everything, and everything went well. This was. It was still a, yeah. a trying time I a, for. I was a very tortured Boston fan. Understandably, time, but... we we only. I still. We only have 1986 to lord over you, so it's kind of sucks. <laughs> Well, if it makes you feel any better, I ended up being a high school principal in Queens for a while. My condolences. You can, you can imagine the kind of shit that those Yankee fan 14-year-olds gave me. Oh, brutal. Brutal. Yankee fans are the worst fans on earth. <laughs> yes, no. Exactly. Phillies might be the worst fans on earth. Yankees are a close second. <laughs> Both Patrick and I are agreeing on Boston, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, as a Mets fan, you kind of like them because of we're underdogs. Uh, well, you also, well, now they're not anymore, now and you not. beat them. But I liked my dad made me like Carl Yastrzemski as a kid, so that was it. I was in. Carl <laughs> Yastrzemski, Fred Lynn, I was in. There's nothing I could do after that. Thank <laughs> you. It really makes me feel good to hear that. <laughs> uh, so, it, it, you know what we got to ask you, just so you can clear the air on it, right? Are we going that deep? I'm ready to clear the air on whatever air needs to be cleared. Well, there's just one song in your catalog that through a 2019 lens, now you're a grown man. You probably might just want to address it for our more sensitive listeners that we want to get into your band, but are going to hit us and go, uh, why didn't you warn me about this fucking weirdo? So so, uh, (laughs) you want to air that one out or not? I think he's talking about Trophy Boys and Trophy Girls. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that was just stupidity and ham-handedness on my part. Like, um, I don't think ignorance is necessarily an excuse for, um, you know, uh, I don't think that that provides a good excuse for that song, but that's really where where it came from. Like, I think that, like, that song I was really... I was really stuck on well first of all coming from from coming from like the PCH scene which was like an unbelievably diverse scene in terms of gender certainly in terms of like race and and in terms of like um, 
you know, even uh, sexual orientation. Coming to Boston, I was like, whoa, okay, this is a very straight, very white scene, right? Yeah, I mean, um, it's going I, it's going from a very eclectic mix of bread to, to Wonder Bread, starch white Wonder Bread. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, and I think, like, I was, like, kind of appalled by what I – I mean, a lot of those people obviously, like – were great people, but just the sort of, there was like a super misogynistic tip in Boston and a super homophobic tip in Boston, but also this sense of like sort of recreating high school where people were like, oh, like I know this person in this band. And meanwhile, like in California, like if you knew a person in a band, so did the other four people that were at the show. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Very different vibe. So, uh, you know, and that, I think I was really struggling with how to deal with that. And I think um, I, you know, I wrote that song and I was not, I was not thoughtful about the ways in which like the, the gender lens would be put on it. Um, it was right. not meant to be a gender specific song. Like I was mostly trying to call out men in the song. Right. Um, but uh, I can definitely see, I can definitely see how it would be hurtful and like, I feel horrible that that song i mean god i hate the internet right like right right yeah it's like like, i would compare the the having like being in a band as like it's like everybody having access to your diary when you were 18 right (laughs) not not a not a beneficial situation really say or do that like was that really something that i did and in this case like i wasn't even i don't even think i was like in the ballpark of um, the way that the song gets interpreted, like that's not where my head was at all. But I no, definitely I don't think see so. how it would be. Yeah. Now, to be honest, uh, I caught that it was largely aimed at men, but I'm also the most problematic dude in this room. So, it, yeah. it, it's, it's, so, so you kind of can't take. You got to take me with a grain of salt. No, I mean, do you mind withdrawing that endorsement? <laughs> well, you know, honestly, thinking about the time when it was, uh, and and knowing it, like. It's just the the flow of time changes perspective, you know. Uh, yes. Both in, and 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 words don't change, but they do, and the way we feel about them does it. And you know, I, I joked about it on the last episode. Is that uh, the Aerosmith song "Dude Looks Like a Lady"? When you just say it out loud, you go, "Huh, this song might not float in 2019." But if you were to really read the lyrics, it's kind of like a, hey, I was surprised, but anything's clever. Let's go vibe, you know? Um, so so we're not going to hold you guilty on that one too hard. Um, but, okay, thanks. That's good. Because I just went with Mason from American Nightmare and watched Aerosmith at a casino, and it was awesome. <laughs> yo, were you, yo, were you at the shows in Mass or in Connecticut? No, we were in Vegas. Oh, well, so I was very, we, I had a long group chat about this, is that I kind of want to go see Aerosmith before they die. Um, Dude, it was, it was awesome. I believe it. it uh, awesome. I missed, I missed, they did like a five day thing up in Mass and they were in AC like a couple days before. So I'm going to catch it. Could do strictly, strictly casinos now? I think that's where they're at. Uh, yeah, that's about where their crowd is at. Yeah. That's true too. Um, did you ever play Mamakin? Or was that gone? No, they opened with that. I think it, nope. was, it was all seventies Aerosmith. It was I, like oh, they played like Train kept a rolling. They played everything. They played Deep Cuts, <laughs> Draw the Line. Ooh, all right. Uh, they did play Draw the Line. Yeah. Did you ever play Mama Ken, the place in 
Wasn't there a venue named Mamakin in Boston? Yes, there was. And, and actually, um, prior to it being Mamakin, it was a club called Venus de Milo. I've um, seen that on flyers, actually. Wow. Yeah, and Venus de Milo was, um, was, a, was a place that had, like, thousand-person shows, which in Massachusetts in the early 90s met Sam Black Church. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, so yes, I both played there, and I, I think my high school band played there. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a um, – and then I'm pretty sure I saw – who did I see there? I saw somebody ridiculous. I saw Rancid there. Okay. So, Dave, your entry point into hardcore and time – I think you're actually into stuff that I would be surprised by because when we talked about this, uh, you, you, last time we talked, you you had mentioned that one of your favorite episodes we'd done was year ninety, year in hardcore nineteen ninety two, which yes, I love that episode, which is indicative of the time you got into hardcore, which is cool. Um, yeah, but lyrically and as a vocalist, what are some things that you draw from? You know, what were some of the inspirations or things that you kind of either consciously or subconsciously looking back, we're pulling from for suicide file material. Cause it's certainly something I think a lot of people resonate with. Um, I mean, I think the first like least obvious thing that was like really big on, in my like consciousness was Jello Biafra. Like I was like mm. an enormous, I really, really liked like uh, sort of like satirical political lyrics. Um, and like when I was growing, like those were those were records that were super easily available when I was a kid, and yes. I, that's I got really into history from that. I got really into politics from that. Yes. Like that was like, I loved Minor Threat too, but also, you know, like that, and I could definitely relate to like deeply personal lyrics. But for me, I was always much more interested in like things that made allusions to like historical stuff or political stuff, um, mm. and so I think that that was a I mean, that's very deep. Like, I don't think I was, like, listening to the Dead Kennedys while I was in Suicide File, but I think that that was, like, something that was, like... Underlying, uh, yeah. Like, in your DNA. Yeah, exactly. That was big for me. Um, I think, like, uh, you know, a band that... uh, A band that I thought was, like, just incredible in terms of lyrics, uh, even though I had to translate them all, was Los Crudos. Like, that was a band that I listened to all the time and just felt like were nailing things that felt like they were like right in front of my face, but I hadn't seen until they talked about them. Mm. And I kind of wanted to do that too. Right. Like, um, I mean, just to give like an example, like I think everyone in Boston in 2001 with a few exceptions was like wildly homophobic. Um, either casually or actively. Sure. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, well, I mean, I don't think it's going to work to like, yell at people about this but maybe i can like maybe this is a place where i can try to like push a little bit um so i think that was that was big i think um like of bands that were around at the time i think uh, we talked about this what in the um uh one that's lost to the deer but the lost episode for me was like such a big band um like they they were a band they were like the first band that i saw that was like really hardcore band that was really thoughtful about bringing in um like a theme to things and and i think that like they really really resonated for me when i was like 16 17 um not so much now i go back and listen to it now and i'm like oh okay right (laughs) sure 
I mean, I still have a soft spot for it. I still love it, but it, it doesn't hit me the same way. Um, that was a big one. Uh, of bands at the time, I mean, I always thought that Bedard's lyrics were fantastic, were really, really, really great. Um, I get lost, like, sometimes in his poker metaphors, but other than that... <laughs> <laughs> so does, so does like, uh, let's say 85% of the, the Bane audience. Sure. I didn't know what the hell... Pot, I had to look up pot committed. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I, there was one time when uh, I was, like, with friends, and we actually, like, tried to recreate the hand that they talk about in one of those songs. <laughs> so we, were, like, trying to, we were trying to figure it out. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I think it was, like... Um, I thought he did a really, really great job of, of being like poetic, but not pretentious. Yeah. Um, and I said this the last time, I mean, I really loved American nightmare. I, I didn't think I, that wasn't what I wanted to do. Like I wasn't interested in that personally, just because I, I couldn't do it. Like, and also like, you know, when somebody's doing something at that level and you're there, you, you can't do that same thing. Just look like an idiot, right? Um, well put. So, um, and so, but I think the way that Wes inspired me was to take things super seriously. Like, and um, I think that 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 was like a that was a big light bulb for me. That like because I remember like he had a journal and he would like show us pages in his journal and stuff like that. And I was like, fuck, that's cool. That's really really cool that he is really thinking about this that seriously. <laughs> One thing I think that, and, and we sort of touched this, on this on an episode where we talked about American Nightmare in some depth, was that he was he he was creative. He was uh, going places other people wouldn't be, but mostly he was doing it so boldly. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I yeah, think totally. that that might have impacted a lot of people. Hopefully, more than the people who are just trying to bite his style, it was pushing people to be like, okay, you know what? I will be unafraid of, of writing lyrics like this or, or trying these things. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, like, he definitely gave people permission to, like, um, I mean, I, I guess this is basically what you're saying, but, like, you know, there was, like, the, at the time, I think a lot of hardcore lyrics were really, really generic. Um, I mean, like, if you look at, like, a 10-yard fight record there's or a floor punch record, like, you're like, okay, well, I like this music, but <laughs> what are we talking about here, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think that, like, all of the people that liked that suddenly had permission to, like, be more creative, yes. which I thought was great, which I thought was really, really cool. I agree with that. So, so we, you know, we did this deep dive. Where we talked about the records. Were there any, if you went back, was there anything that you would change or tweak or, you know, if you had a, a mulligan that you would do over when it comes to your recordings? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think Twilight could, like the, the full-length record could have been better. Um, I think that, like, I was, so, we were all really intimidated about the idea of doing a full-length because, um, you know, at the time, that was a big deal for a hardcore band. Um, like most hardcore bands would just do a seven inch, you know? Um, and so yes. when we went down to record with Dean, uh, in Brooklyn, like, I think that we felt like we didn't feel as like relaxed and, and like on our seven inches and on our demo, we were like, okay, we got this, but there you can like feel it's a, it's a tight record. Like we didn't, we didn't feel like we were like as loose or as, as like relaxed as we could have been. I would have, yeah. I would have wanted to have been able to spend more time on that record okay. do you think 
looking back, was there anything that you guys left on the table in terms of things you wanted to do that you wish you could have done with the band at the time? Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, I wish we had kept going uh, for, a, for a little while longer. Um, yeah. I think, like, you know, I was going back to grad school, and I was like, I, I don't think I can be... And we were doing things like driving to Louisville on a weekend to play a show. Yes, yes. Boston. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. But I think... And I also was really, really, really paranoid. I, we all were about, like, holding on too long, right? And, and like you know, putting out Howie Rock or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that, like, we... So I think that we could have pushed the envelope on that. And then I think also seeing, like, where Hardcore went after we stopped, like, I think we would have fit in great. I think it... But I think we were really nervous about that. So so if you guys... let's 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 do a hypothetical machine. I like to ask this of people who were in a band who, who stopped, whether it was abruptly or suddenly or, or not so much is what would your next, the next suicide file record have sounded like? What would it have been like just given where you were at, where the rest of the band was at and sonically what you guys think, what you think you guys would have kind of gone to. Um, I think it would have sounded a lot like the last seven inch that we put out, um, which I might argue is some of your strongest material. Say that again. I might argue that's some of your strongest material. Yeah, I I agree. I, agree. I think um, I mean a big thing that happened there was that Jimmy joined the band. Like he he hadn't been on the band on Twilight, and he wrote a lot of those songs. Uh, and he's a great songwriter, and so I think that that's sort of the direction in which we were going. And I think we also kind of figured out like what we wanted, to, what we really wanted to sound like by that point. So I think it all would have sounded like that last like that last seven inch. Um, and I think, um, you know, I, the other thing that like, I feel like is important is like, uh, things were getting pretty, it started to get pretty bleak, like 2003, 2004, you know, like we, we recorded the demo before September 11th. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it was after that, that like everybody's political consciousness, like shot up. Um, and so I think we would have, I mean, I, I wonder what we would have tackled like 2004, 2005 era. Um, because I also feel like at the time that we were starting to do that stuff, there was like Iraq war opposition, but like for the most part, Bush didn't become super unpopular until like after he got reelected. Yeah. So, so with all that kind of said, um, for you, you've never done another band. You'd kind of done a string of bands, and Suicide File kind of was like the culmination. Yeah. Why not? Well, I mean, I, I kind of got really into. I mean, after Suicide File, I became a teacher, uh, and then I became a principal and a school district administrator, and that's the kind of job that it's like. I mean, when I was a principal, I was working 14 hour days. Yeah. So it just, I just did not have the time to continue to do it. And I think a lot of the like creativity and, and like do it yourselfness that I had been putting into bands, I just switched over into um, doing education stuff. Right. So, but I don't think I could have done the two at the same time. I just don't think it would have been possible. Um, I mean, I, I miss it like crazy. Um, and I still like, you know, like I have a pipe dream of like someday getting to do it again, but <laughs> right. that's my age. Like, I don't think that that's the most appropriate move of all time. <laughs> 
Like the Steve Buscemi thing, you know. <laughs> well, so, so with that said, I mean, you were very politically outspoken, obviously, through that entire time period and spoke a lot about what you thought and put it out there. Um, when you played with bands that may or may not have been as politically minded or at least as, as well said as you would be, how do you feel about things today in the political climate we're in right now? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Just an easy uh, I mean, one there, right? Softball. <laughs> uh, great. Everything's fine. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I would say, like, it's really, um, I mean, I think in terms of, like, music and culture and art, like, it's definitely... It definitely, I, I, it really, it, it's a very eerie experience, you know, like, I would go to, like, a show at the Pickle Patch in California in, like, yeah. 1997, and somebody would be handing out flyers about, like, I, I don't know, like, things that are in the news now, right? Or, like, I'd go to a show in San Bernardino and a bunch of Nazis would show up. And now right. that's what, like, what politics looks like, not punk. Oh. <laughs> so that is a very, that's a very both disheartening and confusing, but in some ways inspiring thing. Um, I'm not talking about, like, Beto O'Rourke here. I'm more talking about, like, yes. <laughs> like, the, like, the idea that, like, um, I think that, like, I mean, you guys talked about this some, right? Like that, the hardcore kids are early adopters. Yeah. Things. And 100%. I think that's definitely true. Um, and I'm, I literally have no prediction or no idea like what happens next in the like political sphere or anything like that. But it is crazy to be living in a polit like a political system that looks like what the hardcore scene looked like in 1997. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. That's actually a funny way to look at it for sure. Um, all right, well... Are you going to run for office? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> so... I feel like uh, you and Pat Flynn would be a good uh, VP-President combo. Like, you're both with what Beto wishes they were, wishes yes. he was. So <laughs> I true. think... I, I would vote for you guys if... Just, you know, just yeah, throwing it out there. One of you is Beto, I, I, one of you is Wang. I, I, you know, I tried really hard to, like, to get in touch with Justin when, when I was the principal in New York just to get him to come to my school, but I couldn't figure out how to get in touch with him. Oh, we can make that happen. Well, not anymore, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I send him up. To, we'll ship him up to you. Oh, wait, where oh, are you yeah, now? You're in New Orleans? Oh, geez. So, yeah. Dave, um, I'll have to hear what your policies are on student loan repayment before I can vote for you. I just have to put that out there. Um, yes. But what about $1,000 for every person? What do you think of that? Uh, it's great. Sounds great. <laughs> yang, yang, all the way. Yang, yang, all the way. So uh, what are some bands, if people are really into the suicide file, what are bands you would urge them to also listen to? Before or after. Before or after, yes, exactly. Like bands that sound similar, or bands, well, bands that, that bands that you like think, yo, if you like bo both, because if it, uh, to me it's like if it was a band that inspired you, and your band, they might like it, or something that you're like sonically, this might be up your alley, and and, and then even you know, and and like Tom mentioned, before or after things that you found personally inspiring, or things that you think just aren't on radar, but that someone who related to the music or the lyrics or what you guys were saying or your general energy could vibe on? Um, well, I mean, the first thing that I would say, I, I, I can't tell. I have no sense of, like, 
what the hardcore zeitgeist is right now. But it does feel to me like, um, and I know I mentioned Unbroken before, like I don't feel like people care as much about them now as they did 15, 20 years ago. But that last, the last two Unbroken seven inches, I think are incredible. Mm-hmm. And had like such a huge influence on everybody in Boston and California. I mean, you know, like there's no American Nightmare without that. There's no whole conspiracy. There's definitely no suicide file. There, like, it, there still is an invasion though. Because you said everyone in Boston And I'm like, I don't think Jesse was spinning the Unbroken 7 inches I'm just going to say <laughs> He probably was secretly and crying to himself Definitely, uh, I think there's but... some Unbroken uh, influence on the Tenfold singles So sure <laughs> uh, that, that was a big one uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like From, from that era Um I think a band that got super overlooked that I thought was was really really great and like super influential for me was Striking Distance. Like yes. I loved that band, and I thought that band should have been enormous. Um, but like at the time, that was the band that I was always like most excited to see and most excited to like play with. Um, and they seem like they've sort of been lost to the fans of time a little bit as well. Um, Do you think they were wrong, terms- like a wrong place, wrong time kind of band? No, because like you know, they toured with AN and stuff. Like they they got out there, right? But they weren't I, like a fucking like Diesel Gene rockin' band. No. Then no, I feel like that true. was the big thing. It was like you Kevin Baker being a fucking model singing for Hope. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and I don't. I mean, I don't mean that in a pejorative way. Like Kevin Baker was a handsome dude. Like I, you know, I get it. But like they were just like an angry, pissed off punk band that like people weren't ready for when they're going to see. A.N. or Hope Con or whoever else. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, and that, that also may have contributed to me liking them so much is that they were jarring all the time. Yeah. Um, but that band, for sure. I, I mean, I loved Count Me Out as well, and I always felt like they were a peer of ours. That it, 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 It's surprising to me that, like, we get lumped more in with American Nightmare and less in with, like, Count Me Out. Yeah. I feel like that's more where we were right? uh, and that's more like the scene that we came out of when I think about you guys I lump you in more with Striking Distance and Count Me Out in actuality because I saw you guys play those shows so many times you know some vari- variation of that like I feel like I saw Count Me Out Suicide Files Striking Distance shows at least three or four times um, yeah yeah well we, we did a full tour with Count Me Out yep yeah was, was that Hope Con Count Me Out you guys it was Hopecon, Count Me Out, Suicide File, and Knives Out. Yes, right. And I know Striking Distance played the Jersey show. So, I mean, you know, it's like, but I, but geographically and because of shared members and then associations, you do get grouped more with AN and Hopecon a little bit. And I think as we, we discussed on the episode before you were on, um, that's not, it's, it's sort of more... Um, Musically, sonically, we don't hear that. You know, it's 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 more on the geography of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also reminding me. Like, I think that I, I was listening to a lot of like uh, punk stuff. Um, I'm not sure that Mirage and like uh, Jared and the, like the, like I'm not sure how much they were listening to that that sort of stuff. I mean, Mirage uh, was listening to a lot of like 
um, like Turbo Negro. I know that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that, was, that, that was a really big influence on him. Uh, we have um, never mentioned how popular Turbo Negro was in the early 2000s. Crazy. Jesus. Oh, yeah. They were, they were right. unavoidable. Unavoidable. <laughs> yes, yes, you are, you are correct about that. Um, but, um, but I mean, I think that like, if I'm going back and trying to think of like stuff that I was like listening to at the time that I was like super, super duper into, you know, okay. You know, I'll throw a shout out for like a seven inch that I thought, I think I'm going to test your, your encyclopedic knowledge here. <laughs> okay. Do you ever hear the Q factor seven inch? Uh, no, I have not. It's a great, it's on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> you can find it on YouTube. Yes. Uh, Always a good sign. It is a great seven inch. It's like, um, they were a strange band cause they were like strife roadies, I think. Um, but they were super like politically active and the lyrics on that are great hardcore lyrics. So really? that would be the other thing that I would okay, play. That seven inch factor. is a great, great seven inch. All right. Send me a link. Um, well, yo, thank you so much for taking some time to, to talk about this. Um, I was very happy. I think I mentioned this, that, that, I didn't know. I, I figured Tom was a fan because I knew that you guys had played together and, and that, you know, he, he likes a lot of hardcore. Patrick was a wild card, and his appreciation of Suicide File was, was very heartwarming so that it wouldn't be a really awkward conversation with Pat having been like, oh, yeah, Suicide File sucks. Um, that would have made this, like, a, a funnier call when we first did it. So it's nice to, to not have to deal I, with that. I would, been, I would have been prepared either way. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I'm just glad that we, I'm glad that we were able to win went over three out of three people on a podcast that was the, that was always the stated goal god yes i mean yeah, you can all get there. 2002 you're like you know what in the future there's gonna be this yeah. stuff there's gonna be a bunch of white guys sitting around talking about shit and i hope we can we can get three of them on our side yeah, there's that's, the, the yeah, that's, for. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny uh but yeah no i i appreciate it and i i like um I also want to say that, like, I feel like your guys' – the way that you all think about hardcore in general is, like, it's actually allowed me to, like, re-enter more than I have been able to over the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years. So I appreciate that. Like, when you guys do a deep dive on a band, then I'm like, all right, I'll go listen to that band. And I – you know, like this is gonna sound sacrilegious, but I had never heard like trapped under ice. Never. Yo, that you're not the only person who said that to us. So And then I went back and I listened and I was like, Wow, this really sounds like a lot of like New York hardcore that I really liked like in the early nineties. This sounds great. Yeah. Uh, that makes us very happy. Thank you. Yes. So yeah, so keep doing your thing. It's great. And we're gonna we're gonna have you come in uh, next time you're uh in this area where we record in Queens now, so it'll be familiar. And uh, maybe we'll save year in hardcore 1993 for you. Oh, okay. I got a lot to say. <laughs> um, okay. All one right, last question. Guys. One last question. We'll do yes. this. The early 90s Boston. Give us one band that, that sums it up for you. Please don't say Sam Black Church because everybody knows that. Or Tree. Or Tree, please. Uh, okay. Well, that, those were mid-90s. Like early okay. 90s was like something to prove eye for an eye was incredible that was like my first shows were like eye for an eye shows and i, I also think that band gets a, gets the short end of the stick they, they were kind of like derided as like a burn ripoff yeah for seven inches a good early 90s hardcore record oh and the um the dive the dive seven inch is also great all right we're gonna have you on to talk dive seven inch because uh, people from massachusetts from that time 
can't talk about it enough. Yeah. So oh, it's great. It's legitimately a great record. Uh, I I think it's quite good. I'm not I'm not from Massachusetts, <laughs> but I can still say it's pretty good. All right, dude. Yo, good talking. We'll talk soon. All right, take care, guys. The Suicide File. Not just a good band, but a, a likable, likable bunch, bunch of, of guys. Dudes. Yeah. Dave, yeah. Dave's always been a very cool dude. Naraj, so. great dude. Handsome Jim, wonderful guy. Oh, mm. yeah. Jared's playing drums for Alkaline Trio. <sighs> Pretty good. Yeah. I don't How much know do you think he makes money on that? As much as the dude does in Blink or no? no. Less, yeah, a little like less? Like $300 a month. Probably like, like, a, like a stipend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, pro- he's, a pro- he's probably in the drummer's union. No exaggeration. Oh, yeah. Probably. And he probably gets a certain amount of money. He's got a rate. Yes. Yeah. He's got a day rate. Good for him. He's a great drummer. Uh, it thanks. was amazing, Dave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thanks to Dave, and thank you to everybody. Uh, we'll do another one Listen soon. Listen to the goddamn Suicide File. Yeah. One of the best fucking hardcore bands ever. Oh, wow. Later.